Hey everybody, welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 64, the show where we're introduced to Stargate CSI, and I'm unclear how I feel about it. <laughs> it's been a couple hours and I'm still At unclear. least there's no enhances. This time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I gotta say, this episode should have been called Tug of War, because that's what it was on me. I could not decide how I felt about it from one second to the next. See, I just enjoyed it straight through, but I I know exactly where a lot of your tug is coming from. So, and I and I know that that with you as a person, so like I don't begrudge you that side of things. But I, as yeah, I was watching okay. this, you can I was like, oh, I remember, I fucking love this episode. <laughs> Let me put it to you this way: I want to love this episode. <laughs> I I want to love it. I really do. It's not that I don't. It's just that over the next hour, we'll, we will uh, journey into my conundrum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know exactly where this is going to come down on, and it's like, I get it, but right. I don't have that issue. So when I was watching this, I was like, oh, wait, I remember I fucking love this episode. <laughs> um, and I do want to say, like, on that same note, like, as an introduction to what episode we're doing today, we are doing season three, episode 20 maternal instinct which i wanted to say i love the title for this episode i like the dual meaning of it having to do with the child and keeping the child safe and also the whole oma de sala is mother nature concept no i um that's part of a tug for me but that is entirely a personal thing thank god yeah. on this one it's a well, in a sense that it's easily identifiable as a personal thing for me because i just have issues with the words maternal instinct mostly yeah, because no. they tend to be <laughs> weaponized against people like well us yeah 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 it's like oh you don't worry your maternal instinct will kick in eventually and you'll uh. want kids and i sit there going <sighs> so yeah i'm not gonna go into that whole sociological issue no, my no, point no. is i just don't like hearing the words anymore yeah um, no I'm, i, I, am I noticing, get it I, I just did notice that my voice is starting to sound a little hoarse and i know exactly why it's because i was screaming some stuff at, at my Batman game earlier today. Um, so uh, heads up to anybody listening. I apologize in advance if my voice starts getting weirder sounding than usual. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, like I literally just felt it start. Oh, I hate that. It's cool. It's just from, you know, overuse. Joker yeah. had, jo Joker was fucking with me too much in my uh, uh, dare he. new game plus, And I, um, I had some words. The nerve. The nerve of some people. Right. Alrighty. But yeah, so maternal instinct it was written by one of our faves, Robert C. Cooper. And you can definitely see all of the strong points in the episode. You're like, yeah, that's a Robert C. Cooper joint right there. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, even the parts that I'm sure you're not as happy about, I'm like, yeah, that still feels like Robert C. Cooper. <laughs> There's something I, uh, I had to make myself kind of go through last week when we were talking about him and this episode. And I, I had to embrace one cold, hard truth which is he's a great TV writer because he does very round stories, which oh, yeah. isn't actually that realistic. No. And I know that's funny sounding considering how we're watching something that literally incorporates suspension of disbelief, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about everything that goes wrong is exactly the stuff that should go wrong, and everything that goes right is exactly the stuff that should go right. And whether or not good always wins, that's not really his goal, but his goal is to tell a nice round story. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes is perfect, and sometimes it gives like an 85. And I think when it's an 85, it's like this kind of episode where it's less freedom on his part, I think. 
Yeah. I think it's more, well, you know, you have to fulfill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all these exactly. little storyline things that they're like, okay, cool. Do what you want, but you have to include these six or seven cliff notes. And if you don't, then it's not the episode we're going for here. We'll get somebody else. So yeah, yeah I don't I really think... blame him for the 85, but it's still an 85. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. Uh, I feel like um, by this point, the showrunners are like, hey, if we can't write an important plot episode, we need Robert <laughs> Klasner. to do it. <clears throat> Klasner. Yeah, mm. I know. But like, if it's, <laughs> basically, it's like either... Either Brad Wright's going to write the important plot episode or Robert C. Cooper's going to write it now. And unfortunately, if you're not the one coming in with, I need these things to happen, it's going to be a little bit more forced to get the things to happen into your story. Uh, we did see that a little bit with when he had to pick up the two-parter for uh, Papa's coming back, too. That was another that he didn't get to shine quite as much as he always does because he had to, A, wrap up an abysmal part one, and B, he had to hit certain plot notes. Yeah, I will admit this, regardless of how I feel about him having to fulfill certain storyline prompts and stuff, can we just take a moment to just reflect on how amazing it was that he managed to make Apophis the thing that's once again getting brought up, and yet he isn't actually brought up in this Hell at yeah. all? <laughs> He's mentioned in the first five minutes and then never fucking mentioned yeah. again. It's kind of a delight. <laughs> yeah. I think Robert was also tired of Apophis. Yeah, there we go. Well, that's the thing is he can't just keep overusing it. Otherwise it loses its, you know, I, you know danger what? element. He's, he's directly complaining about it in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> via Jack. Jack is his mouthpiece. Somebody teach that guy how to stay dead. That is Robert to Brad Wright. Like, please, I don't want to keep writing about this man. <laughs> See, that's how you lampshade. You make it yeah. less ridiculous while also making it more ridiculous. But yeah, I just, I had to reflect on that for a moment. Robert C. Cooper is a great writer. Um, the director, have we had him before? Peter no. F. Wost? No, but he will be around for a little while longer. He's, I think he's here for another 11 episodes after this. I had the trivia up. One second. Bum ba da bum. Dun dun dun. They took Martin Wood away from Robert. This is the first of 12 episodes of SG-1 okay. and Atlantis directed by cinematographer Peter F. <laughs> Weist. West. Most, I don't know. Weiste. Weiste. <laughs> but yeah, so apparently this is going to help make things even more difficult for us for this episode, differentiating between cinematography and directing, considering He's how the director it. is a cinematographer. Well, it's just the fact that the trivia specifies that he is primarily a cinematographer. So huh. I wouldn't, honestly, I could see where the overlap is there. So I'm not really yeah, that no, surprised I, that a cinematographer yeah. could put on the director's hat. Yeah, I absolutely could. Yeah. That being said, I didn't have exactly fond thoughts of his directing. He is prone to dramatics. Oh my there is Lord, yes. one particular shot I did like, and I made a note about it, so when it comes up, I will talk about it. But with that in mind, oh, before, before, whatever, I caught us, I caught us, I'm Mel. Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's always something. It's always one of the three, and I'm Liz. And let's go ahead and get talking about maternal instinct. Uh, so, like most episodes... <laughs> We start with the gate alarm going off. It's either the gate alarm is going off and we're in SGC or the SG-1 team are walking through the gate onto another planet. Those are the two openings you're allowed to have on this show. It's either a klaxon or a panoramic of yet more, more evergreen woods. trees. Yes, exactly. Um, so the alarm's going off. We get uh, one of the people at the control panel saying, hey, we have a GDO transmission. Not Walter. Yeah, I know. Come on, where's Walter? From now on, I think Simmons is pretty much gone now, so I'm just going to be calling them Walter and not Walter. Yeah. So, GDO transmission, and he calls it a special code 2, which apparently means Breta. I like how he gets his own, uh... 
I I actually really so, like that tiny little detail because it suggests that not only because obviously each of their codes that they have for the teams identifies which team went through. Yeah. So I like the fact that all of the asset. little all of the little guest GDOs they're giving out will tell SGC who to expect to come through. I, I mean, that makes sense. You, you, you would want to catalog all your assets. Yeah. You want to know whether to expect Braytac, who you're probably going to be happy to see, but it's probably going to be an emergency. Or the Tolan, who you're going to be like, huh. Uh, what do you want? Or the Tokra, who you're also probably going to be like, huh. <laughs> uh, unless it's Martouf. Yeah, he usually comes through, or, but or there's a, always almost always Jacob. a huh part of it. Too. <laughs> yeah, because it's very rarely just Martouf or just Jacob. They either come with physical baggage or emotional baggage yep um oh real quick though yes i don't disagree however it does always crack me up whenever i hear these kinds of codes because on one hand it makes sense that you'd want to make it a code if you're trying to be like classified or whatever however you're in your black site right now so i really don't think that is necessarily something you have to do but i mean that guy's a lackey does he really know oh, who yeah. Braytac is who the fuck knows but that's <laughs> not really my, my problem my problem is it's like whenever people use abbreviations that are longer or more complicated than the yeah. words they're trying to abbreviate i've heard some people including like cinemasins on youtube i've heard them complain about gsw because it's more syllables than gunshot wound that one doesn't really count because gsw is they say it because it's what they write down on a chart yeah because that's mm-hmm. fuck ton shorter than gunshot wound oh. Well, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so they're just, you know, they're just yeah. continuing the, you know, the pattern because life is hard enough at that point. So that doesn't really count, but that kind of theme is still a thing. And I always yeah. kind of laugh no, at it, too, it whenever it does happens. happen. And so here it kind of feels like it a little bit. We do that to the dog here. His name is Morty. I almost always call him Mortimus. Exactly. We always call him something besides his name. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, you could say, well, it's because it's a covert code name. It's like, yeah, but you're in the classified place. <laughs> So. Yeah, you're underground. <laughs> you're you're probably like, not going to have a lot of people listening in. Right? It amused me. Yeah, I just assume it's because like that's a lackey. He doesn't really oh, yeah, know yeah. what's no, going on. No, he's literally just reading what's on the screen. Much like exactly. how someone says GSW when they're reading it off a chart, he's probably just yeah. reading the screen and so on. But if Walter were there, he would. Walter known. would be like, "Oh, it's Brita." <laughs> No, he'd also say code two, but we all really believe in Walter. No, Walter would have said code two, then he would have looked over and said, it's Master Braytac. Yes, yes, he would have said Master Braytac. He would have said Master because, Master, he would have said Master Walter's always awesome and respectful. Love Walter. Bring him back. Bring him back. We miss him. Yeah, so uh, Braytac is coming through with one wounded Jaffa friend. Dude, I never get tired of seeing him. I know he's only in the episode I for like him. a minute, but Aaron Douglas, I just kept laughing watching him because <laughs> he was at the beginning of his career in this, obviously, but he plays a uh, Chief Tyrrell in Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined Battlestar Galactica, and they may have done his character a bit dirty, but I don't care. He was fantastic. <laughs> And seeing him in this every time, every time I rewatch this episode, I'm always amused all over again. Cause I'm like, oh hey, it's Tyrrell. Oh hey, Tyrrell dies. He does a great death scene, though. You know, as far as those death scenes always go, it wasn't terrible. Yeah, it wasn't like overwrought. It was emotional, but without being like unnecessarily drawn out or any of that stuff. You know. I wish he'd had more presence in the episode because I just like Aaron Douglas. Yeah, I get ya. So they immediately rush him to. Uh, surgery to try and fix him up uh we see a little bit of a hectic uh scene in the med bay and everything but then we cut to braytac talking to you know the briefing room and everything about what happened and he's basically like hey apophis attacked chulak and that's where robert c cooper has jack say what we're all thinking somebody has to teach that guy how to die (laughs) 
Never change, Jack. Uh, Braytech is thinking about retiring. He, he always talks about being an old man, but now he's actually, like, genuinely thinking about retiring. Okay, so I'm just, I'm guessing I just don't remember the finer details of episodes to come. Uh-huh. Which is a perfectly reasonable assumption. Because I want to give credit here to Robert C. Cooper, because otherwise I have to be annoyed with him for setting up the theme here, as you pointed out with, t- uh, not Teal, um, Braytech. Braytech. You know, there's a heavy mortality theme here, and that... Oh, yeah. Now, while that might stretch through the entirety of the episode, his weird... I, I was going to call it a midlife crisis, but I don't know if you can call that a midlife crisis when you're at 135. Um, right. But whatever crisis he's having, he it's set up pretty damn well, I think, as far as, you know, yeah. your 40 minutes you know, lead-in can mm-hmm. have. It seemed like a decent amount of conversation was put into it and so on. I'm like, okay, cool. So they're definitely getting to something here with Braytech. And then they literally just drop it. <laughs> he just has a sit-down conversation and then just gets up, leaves the room, goes, cool, guess I'm not, all right, cool, I'm fine now. I don't feel See, what I mortality is, creeping in. <laughs> what I think it is is that, like, he's talking about retiring right now because of how devastating the attack on Shulak was yeah. and how little he could do to, you know, help. So it's kind of like a, a desperation. See, no, um, but like, That I don't but, disagree with. I'm mostly talking yeah, about the so Primta thing. on that thing. side. But I think what's important for his journey in this episode is just getting, like, that reaffirmation and knowing that there is something waiting for him. I think it's really just him knowing there is something waiting for him at the end. that I will not disagree with. I am totally down with that. Uh, And I even am going to undercut what I'm going to be saying in a minute by pointing (laughs) out that I do know of, you know, placebo effect and shit like that where half of, not half, I don't some statistic (laughs) is involved in patient recovery. You know, if they don't believe they were going to recover, then that makes it much harder for them to recover. There is a mindset involved there. So I'm not disregarding that. (laughs) I'm not trying to. But it does kind of kill me that he specifically uses dialogue here robert c cooper uses dialogue involving the primta and it's yeah. there's a conversation where braytac says i'm reaching the age where i can't carry it anymore that mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a mind over matter thing that seems like a literal no. physical constraint there like yeah. menopause you may not want it but it's coming for you mm-hmm. so the fact that he, there's all that lead up and then he just goes and eh, i'm good i'm like okay, okay but are you how's that kangaroo pouch going for you like wh- what do you mean i thought Hmm. And I know there's episodes coming up where they're going to address it, kind yeah. of. I'm mostly just thinking about that one where he and Teal end up, you know, having to snake share. One of my favorite episodes yeah. where Daniel's ascended. Yeah, so that whole thing. So I, I know that there's probably details coming up that are going to answer some of my questions here. Yeah. Or at least address my concerns. Or I guess I'm just hoping so. Because otherwise I'm sitting here going, what was the fucking point? Like, well, it's one thing to have your, the theme element that you were talking yeah. about. And if they had stuck with just that, that would have been one thing. But they don't so this lead up annoys me now in retrospect because watching it when it's happening in real time it's like oh cool 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 and then just nothing happens with it i get you i think it's it's basically there's a lot of build-up happening right now and you're not going to get the payoff yet yeah but that's that's pretty much it i love using five minutes and 10 million extra words that i don't need to describe something and then ending it every time with but that's pretty much it (laughs) oh my god Hmm. Mentioning, you know, the changeling being my very favorite episode of Daniel being ascended, I just really needed to see who wrote it. Do you know who wrote the changeling? Not, not even a little bit. Christopher Judge. What? Yeah, that man needs to write more episodes. <laughs> Damn. Right? No, I knew he had written some episodes, that, or uh, I, I remember reading somewhere that he was, you know, writer director as well. But huh? Fuck. That, well, that's cool. D- I, I will say that explains why. Uh, 
the character of Teal'c and is treated so wonderfully in this episode. The only way to give Teal'c the attention he deserves is, <laughs> is to have to him have write Teal'c the fucking write episode. God, I feel like there's a metaphor in there somewhere. I That's like two seasons away, at least a year of us recording, but like, I can't wait for it. <laughs> well, that makes me happy a lot, because I actually really enjoy I episodes that are written by the actors in them. It's one thing to have them oh, direct, but writing um, is really cool. It's been a while since I brought this up. Psych. Ding, ding, ding. Some of my favorite episodes are the ones written by James Yeah, Verde. you mentioned that. Yeah. There's um two episodes of Farscape. There's my ding, ding. There's two episodes <laughs> of Farscape written by Ben Browder. I mean, James Roday wrote and directed, in my opinion, the best of the Yin Yang trilogy in that show. And it's got some amazing direction shots in it, too. Yeah, God, I'm even more excited about The Changeling now, knowing that Christopher Judge wrote it. Yeah, no, that's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. Oh, my God. We need to fast forward to, like, a year and a half from now. <laughs> well, the good news is next week, at least, we get a good episode on the way. Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> Remember? Uh, we're, we're worried about some things being a little iffy next week. Oh, shit, that's right. Yeah. I, I'm hopeful. <laughs> Because I remember enjoying this episode, but in our reviewing, we've been forced to be confronted with some of uh, Stargate's issues with addressing mental health. So yeah. we'll see. I'm hopeful it's not too egregious. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Braytac is thinking of retiring. Um, Slash but it's dying, just kind depending of a... on the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's kind of like thinking of like that going off to die quietly kind of thing or something. I don't know. What are you, a wounded cat? Jesus. I, I think he's just really upset after the attack on Shulok. I guess I'm just not empathetic enough to be able to feel his pain here. <laughs> As somebody who's never been in a war-torn situation, especially for a prolonged period of time, especially for my entire life. Uh, yeah. These lines tend to go over my head just a little bit. That's fair. Now, having said that, I do love the concept of this character who we've only seen be strong yeah. and unwavering up until now. Doubt. And now yeah. this is the that final straw kind of thing. And I do like him leaning on Teal'c emotionally. Yes, yeah, I like him leaning on Teal'c emotionally. And I like that he's having these doubts in this episode where we introduce Oma and all of that stuff. Where you've got that alternate path and those other options. I just remembered that Oma's in this. <laughs> Barely. I just a glowy face. I forgot. Face is in this, this is how badly they started the ascent. I just. I. It's not that it's bad. It's not that it's bad. It's just that I hate it. Yeah, I. That's a personal. I don't thing know I'm how else to yeah. put it. But I just. I cannot get over the. These are the same people who said, "Yeah, we kind of regret making the zapped because it's a bit too much of a gun. It's a little <laughs> broken." And then they literally, after saying that, went into the next room and went, okay, so we're going to make a literal deus ex machina and we're just going to whip it out whenever we feel like it. And it's just like, I could, could, why? Well, I think they, I think they make a point of introducing her with the fact that she is not going to be an overly aggressive thing. She is a defense measure in a very specific location and that is it. Yeah. And they build on that later with how distant the ancients are and everything. It's not their fault that they changed the storyline, you know, adjusted the ancients as they went. Yeah. Because first thought is never the best thought. Yeah. <laughs> or the you never don't know, the well -rounded you don't know yeah. where you're going with them. Yeah. Yet. So I'm not mad about all that stuff. I, I never really am whenever I point out that that's going to change later because yeah. how, you have to start somewhere. Obviously, so yeah. That's all well and good. It's just that considering how 
hard. They are going to pound that non-interference drum. Yeah. It's insane to me how much this episode does not reflect that even a little bit. And they'll, like, try to recover that a little with, like, SGA episodes. There's, like, another one where there's a whole planet that's protected by an, an ascended ancient and mm -hmm. so on. But that one's, like, a specific special case. And every time these types of situations will come up in the future, they're special cases. Because their whole well, yeah, thing is that they're not supposed to interfere. Say, in defense, Oma's supposed to be a tiny bit of an outcast with Tiny bit, because she doesn't well. agree with them, yeah. No, I get you. Where she does do a kind of... Yeah. I, Dis distance, but she will every now and then. Like, the fact that she even offers ascension to the people that she does, the ancients don't like. I'm not disagreeing yeah. Yeah. with that. No, I, I just... get entirely where your hesitance for this comes from, but I don't have an issue with yeah. it. Now, it's one thing if you go with the assumption that maybe the ancients were always meant to be the contradicting dicks that they end up be being um i just i i don't believe that i don't believe this is that's that's like when someone tells me that george lucas always knew that vader was going to be luke's dad no he didn't yeah no he didn't i think what would have solidified what the ancients become in this show is if and granted, maybe there is, and I just don't fucking remember at this point. But what you would need is somewhere between them going around, making all the gates on these planets, and spreading all this technology, blah, 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 and where they are now with the not strict non-interference, we're just gonna live up on this ascended diner, blah, 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 nonsense. City on the hill shit. There to be some huge triggering event that triggered that wild shift in, like, ideals and emotions and all that kind of stuff like something really traumatic and terrible happening or something you know yeah no I, this is gonna be an episode where i'm gonna be just repeating the same thing over and over again i'm not really disagreeing with you i don't yeah. disagree and there is no but <laughs> yeah there is no but i don't disagree i only have adjacent concerns to it for the most part yeah. and it's it's all stuff that isn't really weak writing because again they didn't know yet where this yeah, exactly. was gonna go yeah. you can outline yeah there's, a, there's want, definitely but... a hindsight to this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, But when you have this one person who hangs around, it could be a special case. It could be. But this seems like a mythical lost world that's been around for a fuck ton of time and so on. La, la, la. There's a lot of evidence to say that this isn't a one-time, one-deal yeah. person. There's as much evidence to say there is as there is to say there isn't. Well, the end of the episode basically tells us, yeah, she's coming back. Yeah. I just wanted the ancients to be more. I wanted them to be more than just a plot device because they're honestly kind of a weirdly weak plot device despite the fact that they're the freaking foundation for the show. Like, See, I never I feel, feel like they like... get the use that they should. And you know, I'm counting Atlantis. I am counting Atlantis. And I just, mm. yeah. I think ultimately they wanted the ancients to be more, but maybe when they got to that point, they're like, we don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here going, I want something else. And yet I can't look at what happened when they is, tried to... So. Look at what happened when they made the new enemy, the Ori. That I feel like if it's between what we got with the Ancients and a version of the Ancients being a big part of the story that where they kind of scrambled like they did with the Ori, I prefer what we got with the Ancients. All right, let's start talking about episodes that are coming. <laughs> and they're trying to figure out why Apophis attacked the way he did because, like, he like had land parties come down and just like raise Chulak. And Braytex, like, he could have just destroyed them from the sky, you know? Because Teal'c at first is like, well, maybe he's just showing off to the System Lords, look how powerful I am now. And then they point out, like, no, he could have just destroyed Chulak from the sky. He didn't have to come down. And they all kind of realized he was looking for something in Chulak. 
And then we cut to them going to visit Daniel. <laughs> this is not a problem with the episode per se, because this is far from the only example I've seen of this particular uh -huh. thing. What is it with villains and quote, end quote, searching for something via destruction? <laughs> what are you um, looking it's for? It's a toddler Ashes? having a tantrum and throwing their toys. See, I didn't do that. I, when I was looking for something, I, I looked for it. Yeah, well, you weren't a normal toddler, so... <laughs> <laughs> every time the listeners don't get to see the expression you make <laughs> so yeah they they realize he was looking for something so they go to daniel and daniel's like oh he was probably looking for the harcesis no shit and what i like about uh, my note says love how and like it's sort of sarcastic but at the same time i get entirely where they're coming from because it's not something that's mentioned all the time. It's mentioned like every 10 episodes or so. So they got to make sure the audience remembers what the fuck this concept is. Every time the Harcesis comes up again, Daniel has to outline the entire plot of the Harcesis to the audience again. <laughs> I've made this joke, not a joke, I've made this comparison a million times, but it's because it's apt. It's like when you're reading the second or third book in a series and they start explaining shit, summarizing shit that's yeah. gone on in the last couple of, you know, whatever Just in previous case you time. you picked up the yeah. second book yeah. and didn't read the first one. Right. But but yeah, but with that in mind, yeah, it's it's always fun to have that have recap. that previously on moment. I'm yeah. not sure which previously is worse. Previously on Stargate. Having the show actually just do a previously on or this because honestly, well, the previously you know on wouldn't have really given anything away. I will say one thing Robert C. Cooper does great in this is that it's Daniel explaining it to someone who has not heard any of this before. Braytac doesn't know about the Harcesis. So it's for once it's one of those, because sometimes you'll have another character explaining to a character who already knows about it, you know? And that's always like, okay, that's explicitly for the audience watching. But Braytac doesn't know anything about the Harcesis. So it actually works really fluidly with the plot that he's explaining the Harcesis again. Because Braytac doesn't know any of this. So Braytac's learning all of this. But yeah, I, I appreciate that, like, there's an actual narrative reason for him to re be recapping the Harcesis plotline. You know what? That's actually a good point. I, didn't, I forgot that he didn't know all the shit. So good job, Robert C. Cooper. Hell yeah. So he mentions, you know, that Shade. Uh, told him that the baby was hit at Keb. And Braytac is the first person who knows about Keb. Dude, can people pick a fucking spelling, by the way? I, I know I can't really blame the subtitlists. Or I, okay, let me rephrase this. I think the subtitlist was just doing no, a bad I, job. I can I'm pretty blame sure it's K-H-E-M. That's what I e, thought, right? No, no I like K-H-E-M. 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 That's what it is in my notes. Same. The thing is, I got that from the subtitles the first time. But then I was reading through the trivia page, and they spelled it with a Q. And then today's subtitles, it's these ones were super fucked up, though, because they did K-E-B. But here's the thing. I don't know who the fuck was in charge of subtitles that day. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Ron the intern, though, because he gave up on Harcesis immediately and just called it Harcis the whole oh, damn no. time. And I get it. You're, I guess, abbreviating or something here, but yeah. it's like I, you're, subtitles. People who are hard of hearing deserve yeah, to know exactly. what the word is what if they want to look it up they're not going to know how to spell it <laughs> yeah what the fuck's a harsis yeah uh but braytac is, has heard of keb which makes sense he's been alive longer than anyone else who's been spoken to about it so far if anyone's gonna have heard of it it would be braytac okay Ed. so here's the thing here's the thing here's the <laughs> thing kudos to robert c cooper he did all the right stuff with 
the old man knowing the old tale. Mm-hmm. None of that was remotely yeah. weird. That's like any of us knowing the tale of Atlantis or something, you know? That's, that's yeah. fine. It's a cultural tale or not, whatever. The point is, knowing a myth is one thing. The fact that upon the next scene that I'm going to let you, you know, describe, they're able to connect two dots. Two. Two fucking dots. Instantly. Takes away a lot of the credit I'm trying to give Robert. Because, dude, no. So I was actually going to say, um, I actually like that the way they find where Keb is is from knowledge from both sides. It's from Braytac's side and from right. um, See, that's Daniel's what, side. He did that right. He did that right what as well. What might have happened being put is together well. this brainstorming scene might have been longer and had to get cut. Maybe. It definitely needed to be longer. I will give you that. No, I uh, I just was a little annoyed with the fact that a happenstance line from Daniel where he's like, yeah, I did research and all I found was this one thing. And I mean happenstance as in, yeah, I know he was talking about the subject and he would have brought up this part as part of the subject yeah. matter. I, I get that. You just said what but I was exactly going to say. The way he so says it is so like nonchalant and throwaway that it's one of those moments where it's like and then we had to go search through 50,000 cameras and we found on the third one and I'm like okay so out of all the things that you threw out there that's the one that happened to be exactly what you needed and it was the first fucking one and it took what four minutes of conversation to get there this is supposed to be this thing that's been hidden from the Goa old for millennia and you're telling me it was that goddamn easy I just mm, mm, mm. well I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that we're getting him from two sources right yeah here. no I, I, I you're not wrong see I told you I'm gonna be saying that a lot yeah. you're not wrong yeah. you're not wrong and I also I, don't really think he was light. saying it nonchal- nonchalantly it, it was if I guess to me it felt nonchalant it was more just the fact that he was kind of doing that defeatist thing where he was just yeah, like, I haven't I would, been able to find anything. There's just like this. I don't agree with that. nonchalant. Yeah, he was just kind of throwing it out there is what I yeah. meant. You know, just uh, not, that no, works, not, not yeah. nonchalant. But nonchalant is without any air of care. He had an air yeah. of care. It was just the fuck you kind of care. Yeah, so basically what it is is that uh, Braytax heard of Keb. It's a place the Jafar were warned off of. And that they basically they were meant to go there when they lost their primta, the, the larva in their stomachs. And that no one has ever returned from going to Keb. Uh, and Dan's like, do you know where it is? And he's like, no. <laughs> we're not supposed to know where it is because we're warned off from it, you know? This is another one of those things that's always funny whenever I hear it. The, then how do you know? Well, there's that. But mostly it's the, uh, no, the how do you know is always funny. That reminds me of Pirates of the Caribbean every time. Where yeah. It's like, there's no survivors, yeah, yeah. so then who told the tale? <laughs> who yeah. told the tale, right? yeah. yeah. so there's that shit. You led with old ass Jaffa who can't carry a primta anymore what, went off to the farm and yeah. didn't come back. And you make it sound like this is surprising. Or something of note. And it's like, what what were you expecting? Seriously, what were you expecting? If you're going to put this stuff out there, you got to tell me what you were expecting that was different. But they never do. They never do. I have two points to this. Um, I'll start with the second one because it's a more straightforward one. After he talks about the primitive people, he does actually talk about some people who were not about to die, who just went looking for it to figure out what was up with Keb. And they also did not return. And that's at the point where he says that, like, you know, we were warned off, blah, 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 blah. But also, That, that I might think, mitigate it a little. I'll give you that. Yeah. That's why I wanted that. It's technically it my second point, but I wanted to lead with that one. The other one, I think, comes down to uh, the gold and whatever propaganda they're spreading to these gold, to the Jaffa. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it'd probably be much better for them if... Yeah, even if their primta isn't there anymore, they could still be cannon fodder. It's much better for them if Jaffa don't have a way to 
go off and die quietly at the farm. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to bridge crew him, I guess you could do that. I'm I'm not going to go with my my uh my usual line here of I'm not disagreeing. I'm still not, but I'm much more neutral on that one than yeah. disagreeing and agreeing. Mostly just because I would, I guess, I, I guess I would just have liked that more of that, more of that dialogue, more of that specificity. Yeah, it just, it's well, just, it's very rarely that that actually my... framed in the way that gives context to the old people that are yeah. the main focus of this. Where it's like, yeah, no shit, they didn't come back. You have yeah. all the pieces here. Yeah, I get that. Um, I think it's more on the fact that he ends that tale by saying that like normal people went off looking for it and never came back yeah. to. But yeah, so and they're like, oh, do you know where it is? He's like, no. <laughs> No shit. And then Daniel's all disappointed because he's like, shoot, another dead end. And that's where the defeated part comes out where he's like, yeah, all I've got about Keb is that there's an Earth myth that says it's where Osiris hid from Set. And Braytac knows enough about the actual system lords of Osiris and Set that he's like, oh, around this area of planets is where that happened. And we've already covered why you have an issue with that. <laughs> I think that I think this part right here is honestly the weakest bit of the jump between the points, but I still appreciate that it's this conglomeration of two sides of knowledge that are coming together to solve this problem. That part I 100% agree with because yeah. I love the piecing it together shit. I love how it also explains how someone like Aminette was able to figure it out as well. Absolutely. You know, because yeah. she also, I would assume, had all the knowledge base that Braytac has, mm-hmm. being a gold. <laughs> and on top of that, I'm, I have no problem seeing her being somebody who is more scholarly than Apophis, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And all the resources that being the system lord's wife that you yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally yeah, tracks by that. how that she was able to find Kev as well. And it could track how some old ass Jaffa were able to figure out pieces, you know, maybe through long careers in the military and being exposed to all this information. It yeah. is not bad in any of those contexts. It's mostly just the rapidness of it that yeah, g- yeah, gets yeah. me. I think to we no needed end. like maybe another five minutes of this mystery solving. There needed to be at least some struggle. Yeah. There was none. There was yeah, no, no struggle. I get I get where you're coming from there. But yeah, so he knows a general area about where it would be. He doesn't have the planet. But he knows a general area for where that would be. So they take him over to the computer where they've got the the addresses. And they scan down to the list of addresses that are in that general area. And he's like, oh yeah, stop. This is where it is. And when you see the addresses, there's one that's in red compared to the others. And this is another one of those where I like the detail here. Because this is a great way for you to... Because it could have been like, oh, it's one of these. We'll visit each of them. And then, like, it would be a coincidence that the first place you go to is the right one. But instead, what happens is they get to this list of addresses. And one of them's in red. And Daniel's like, why is that one in red? And Sam's like, well, we organized them based on, like, sources. Most of these are from the Abydos cartouche. The ones in red are the ones we got from the ancient address sources and they're like oh well if keb is something that the gold were warned off from the jaffa were warned off from the gold wouldn't have written it down in abydos because they don't want anyone to know where to find it they figure out like oh the red one the one from the ancients is probably the one we want because it's the one the gold wouldn't have written down so they decide to plan to go there and they very quickly you know 
get a team together. They know this is a, a big deal, so they don't just bring SG-1 and Braytac. They also have, like, their marine backups. And, but yeah, so they go through. They leave the, the marine backup guys to guard the gate. They start to head in, and they see footprints. And this is where we start doing the the Stargate CSI thing. Uh, or as I called it, Braytac rolling natural 20s on survival checks. And it's basically just like Braytac and Teal'c competing and showing off about how good their tracking skills are. And it's 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 mostly followable too. There's only a couple points where I lose it completely. But when it happens, I literally just gave up and wrote in all caps, yeah. I want to believe. <laughs> yeah, credit again to Robert C. Cooper. He most of the time has Braytac explain where he get he's getting this knowledge from. Yeah. So like they go in and uh Teal'c thinks it's they see footprints and they're like, Oh, there's been some Jaffa coming through here and Teal thinks six and Braytac's like, No, eight. <laughs> and that's our first set of tracks. And then they go on a little bit further, and they find more, and this is where Braytac's like, oh, there was some sort of struggle. You can see, like, the, the footprints are wider apart. There was some running. They picked up a woman, Jaffa, at some point, and, they're, and they, they're like, oh, how do you know? And it's like, oh, it's, like, lighter, which is an assumption, because it's like, it could be a smaller man. It could have been a small man, and what kills me is when Teal'c says the footprint was made with the open-toed sandal worn by Jaffa women. How and would you I, know about the open toe? <laughs> unless they have a unique tread pattern yeah. as well, which I didn't know that they were mass-producing them like Nikes on Shulak, or, uh, sorry, uh, Keb. I, I'm calling bullshit on that. I'm calling some I'm calling some major bullshit on you being able to identify a fucking sandal, specifically an open-toed Maybe sandal. Maybe was just feeling left out because Braytac was doing such a good job and he wanted to make something up. <laughs> Or, this is me just playing devil's advocate, because, you know, I like doing that job. There might not be, like, tread patterns, but maybe the shape of the bottom of the sandal for uh, women on Shulak is a little bit different from... I, I could see it being, like, a different shape, maybe, but... Okay, you're saying there's a shuffle, something going down. Okay, have you, have you ever had an emergency situation and you've just had to throw on whatever's closest and get out the door? I once yeah. had to go to the ER in my cheetah print flip-flops, and other weird-ass articles of clothing because my father fell off a ladder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it was just whatever was closest. Who was to say that we just didn't have a smaller than... I what, I don't, I, hate, I even hesitate to say the word average because we do not know where this person's from, so what average oh. height are we going off of here? We don't know they're human or Jaffa, and we don't know what their, yeah, their average height is. Yeah, they assumed it was like, a Jaffa female. Yeah, exactly, so I don't Which know the average Which is why I are. have to think that it was... Like the the sandal shape was yeah. like a common. Jaffa I, I did think that as well shape. when he said that, but I'm just like at the same time I was like, but they're scuffling and it's sand yeah. and it's not like mud with you know distinct prints. Yeah. It's a scuffle. So I I can't I can't buy the shape thing even though I want to because it's not like we're on the moon yeah. looking at the perfect little lunar footprint. You know you, you mm, mm. so yeah that one that one got me a little bit. Where yeah, I was this just is like, the weakest no. one I think for like defense. Yeah. Like I said this episode's in 85 and it's because of little shit like this. None of them are egregious on their own but each, they, they they add up. Yeah. So they they have that little bit there. Uh and then there's <laughs> I definitely feel like they wanted a thicker bit of uh brush 
for Daniel to be peeking through in this scene. It's like the lightest brush for him to be parting, which is compounded by the fact that like as he goes to part the brush, the, the bird flies through and the most dramatic music plays. <laughs> There's no meaning to the bird. Hint, there is no meaning to the bird at all. It has nothing to do with Oma. It's, it doesn't mean jack shit. I think the director was just bored. I'm not disagreeing at all. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. But you're not gonna... So here's the thing. <laughs> with that in mind, there was a book we had to read in school when I was a kid. I don't know if it's a classic or just a book they made us read. Uh-huh. But it was um it was a historical fiction book about King Harold, whatever. The guy who uh, went back on an oath and caused a massive war. Uh-huh. <laughs> that whole thing. It was, I think it was, yeah, it's called the, the Golden Cup or the Golden Goblet, I think. The whole point uh-huh. I'm bringing this up, it has nothing to do with the story at all. There's this kid who in the beginning watches, I think his, like, his uncle or whatever is walking down a path. And as he's walking, all of a sudden, uh, a raven, a blackbird, flies out of the brush and startles him. And naturally, he gets pretty freaked out because in that time period, that was a very bad omen. And the whole thing mm-hmm. is, you know, it, the whole reason I'm bringing this up is that was the thing that taught me what foreshadowing really was. Like, I already read Madame Bovary and everything um, and all the stuff with the pretty heavy, you know, looking down the, the, the street, you know, lined by trees. And she got the weirdest foreboding feeling as she felt as though her future was slipping away from her. You know, that kind of shit. I already yeah. read all of that, but that had all been kind of its own thing. This was That was the book that taught me, hey... Bad shit's going to happen. Right? Cough, cough. But the positioning of this as an omen doesn't even work. Exactly. Well, here's the thing. That's why I'm laughing my ass off, though, is it made me think, just like you did, of the, you know, ill omens kind of shit, mm-hmm. which is ironic as fuck, because there's another uh, huge image scene later that makes me just laugh my ass off because of the unintended foreshadowing. You'll either, one of two things happened here. Either this episode was the most coincidental foreshadowing oh, episode I, I think ever. I know the other foreshadowing one. And I think it's another one where the director just got bored. <laughs> yeah, no, I was thinking mostly the one where he's uh, looking and all of a sudden he's, his glasses start reflecting um, Oma's energy. Oh, okay, I'm not thinking of that one. I was thinking of the other one where... Um, Later on, when uh, Teal'c and Sam are standing guard outside, you see one of those little glowy spirits in the water. Yeah. And it's like, why? why? <laughs> yeah. Did someone just ascend? Who? There's only one person here. Every time a, be- a bell rings, an angel gets their wings. Every Unless time the water she shimmers. to the female Jaffa who got killed? You know what? I want to believe. I'll take that. That's, that's, I'm gonna that's not a bad headcanon at all. No. Okay, I'll accept that weird glowy bit in the water now. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I can't, the crow I can't was ridiculous. Laugh. Well, that's the thing is, it's, it's one of two things here. Either this was just really ridiculous and also happenstance, the most coincidental thing, because in a year, the person brought in this episode will be the thing that ushers Daniel out. And there's all that stuff, you know, reflected, like, for example, literally reflected in his glasses. All that yeah. omaness is, you know, just rinse wash repeat kind of image wise in a, in a season and i'm thinking okay this is either the most coincidental foreshadowing ever yeah or yeah. or michael shanks was already having conversations with people maybe yeah because they really they pushed might have been daniel had the there. close connection like he was into yeah. it you know and he even says like i'll see you again right like all that stuff i was mostly thinking about like there's also that one uh bit of dialogue that's really funny and then you think about it where he goes well i mean i don't have to die right yes and then i'm looking i'm going like okay wait no that that's the timing's too perfect. You're leaving in a season. Were yeah, you, that's were weird. Were you already getting Either discontented with this? they already knew some ideas, or they were originally not planning on, like, 
like having him have that connection with the ascension but not like leaving leaving. yeah yeah because to be fair at this point we don't actually know how firm the ancients are about not interfering in anything because so far we have oma who has decided to protect this gold child so they could have been like, yeah, Daniel will ascend, but he'll hang out with SG-1 all the time. Or, like, maybe he'd be in half of the season. Yeah. You know? Where he'd he'd go off and have time to do other projects, but he'd still be a, like, regular in the show. That kind yeah. of thing. No, I, I could see it being planned and not planned. It just... I would love, I would love to know, because if it was unplanned, that is... Yeah. weirdly well done then as a yeah. foreshadowing, because That's he's the, the real one who omen. gets omened, and then... Yeah. The connections introduced, and she's literally his, you know, burning boat off into yeah, the next life absolutely. kind of thing. And it's, it, I was just laughing, and then shit just kept happening, and I was like, dear God, the irony. Seriously, wait. Yeah, <laughs> I think someone was that a really weird. good writer, and when they found out that they were having to usher him out, they were like, okay, cool. Ooh, we can use this. It could just be that, and the crow, raven, whatever was just a really lucky happenstance. <sighs> But if that's the case, I'd love to hear because that's just funny as hell. Like, what, what were the yeah. chances? What was the math involved there? <laughs> but yeah, the whole point of imparting the brush is because he's found a whole bunch of electrically burned, like, destroyed Jaffa bodies. Like, they've been so burned, they look like they've been mummified. I, I do love how the ancients have no problem just leaving corpses around. Nope. Fertilizer, I guess. I mean, they don't have physical bodies. <laughs> when we die, we become the grass. And then the antelope eats yeah. the grass. So... So yeah, they find those, and there's a whole... I actually really like this this exchange, because they, they point out, like, Sam's like, oh yeah, it looks like they got really burned, and, like, she floats the concept of, like, lightning, and then Jack starts to say, or, uh, and then Teal'c interrupts him, which I loved, actually, <laughs> because of the fact that after Teal'c basically goes, like, I don't know what kind of weapon could have d- done this, Jack's kind of like... A, a weapon, maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I, I could see it just being its own standalone. It just seems a little interesting to me that this random scene happens, considering how that's not something we're known to see. That's not really a known thing, um, mm-hmm. that kind of interaction between the two of them. So if I feel like there was more to it. I Speaking of things that might have gotten cut out, I just yeah. feel like that might have been something that was repeated throughout the... Uh, yeah. I feel like that might have been, been a running a, joke that yeah, only sort of one thematic of them stayed element. in. Yeah. It might have had something to do with the fact that, like, because I'm just thinking about it, and maybe maybe there was, like, a secondary, like, minor uh, storyline going on in this episode that had to get cut for time, where, like, there was a little bit of a grading of Teal'c used to follow Braytac, and Braytac is involved in this investigation, so maybe Teal'c's usual solid uh, respect and following of Jack isn't there because he's trying to impress Braytac. I could really buy that considering how yeah. much he was trying to follow and add to Braytac's uh, track tracking. You know what? I, I, I support that 100%. I, I support that as something that Robert C. Cooper was doing on purpose from the yeah. get-go. I, I, I think I just missed it. Honestly, I think you just caught it. That, that, that makes sense to me. To be fair, it was like as we were talking about it, I'm like, oh, it could be because of this, because he was trying to show off for Braytac with the tracking, too. Yeah, no, he's definitely more in his element in this one, something that's not always the case. He tends to be part of the group, not so much the uh, yeah. alpha. Mm-hmm. And in this one, he's just like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I take charge. Let's do this. Well, yeah, and then later on, like, Jack goes in and leaves Teal with Sam to guard outside without him supervising or anything. 
just goes to show there's always someone who gets left out of an episode and it wasn't just janet yeah. for her three second scene in the episode oh janet she's literally there just to give him a meaningful look not that she didn't do a great job acting the hell out of that uh, sam's Lester, job in this episode is to be your representation for the wooly stuff that's her job her job is to be you <laughs> Oh, no, no, I felt like a Sam this episode. There were definitely chunks where I'm like, okay, 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 okay. I was getting... See, whereas I I don't have any issues with any of it. I was just like, yeah, I love this episode. (laughs) I was rolling my eyes so hard that at one point I literally rolled out both of my contacts. I do it all the time. It's These are weighted contacts because I got messed up eyes. Uh-huh. So they, they fall out really easy. This isn't me being that dramatic. But the point is, I was rolling my eyes so goddamn much that I rolled my contacts out. I literally, I got a text from my brother two nights ago about, hey, what do you want for your birthday? And I was like, fuck, I don't really have any pressing things. That, but I had two different tarot card sets that are beautiful that I loved on Etsy that I had bookmarked. And I just like, here, one of these. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I have one scene for you. Th- this is the one that I, I finally just gave up. Yeah. As he's making the fire in the sand. Yeah! <laughs> I figured that's true. The thing is that there's a little bit of me that's a little, um, I didn't give up. But, like, there was a part of me that was like, huh, for that scene. But it had to do with, like, Daniel. I actually wrote a note about it. I'll get to it when it gets there. I don't want to jump ahead That's too where much I texted you about how the, the directing needed to be taken down about four notches. Yeah. I do think Peter Wosta is a little overdramatic. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a, a theater kid. That might be the cinematographer side. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, he was going for strength images and uh, yeah. striking, and it mostly worked, except for when it didn't. But, uh, so yeah, they, they find those bodies, Teal'c interrupts Jack. A short distance away, they find the Jaffa woman, uh, who has been shot in the back, in, like, the, the abdomen stomach region. But in the back, they specifically say in the back. So she was running um, and they figure out that uh, she probably got like lured out there by like one or two of them and then got brought to the group. And when she saw a whole group of Jaffa, she's like, oh, this is wrong and tried to run. And that's when she got shot. And they also figured out that she must have been carrying the child when this happened because, um, well, first off, her hands weren't tied. There are ways to bind somebody where they can still carry a baby. Just saying. Yeah, but it's it's a way to be like, oh, she must have. Yeah, it's just a I nice just, quick. This little... right here is always it's it, this is something I uh, I always have an issue with in a, in a mild sense. This is you know like I love Sherlock Holmes. I love um, yeah. Uh, ah, Poirot, Poirot, I get the Christie. I love that stuff. However, there's always a bit of an educated guess. Yeah, you that's where it is. There's a, a difference yeah. between de- deduction and guessing and too often even the best writers will confuse the two or blur the line and Mm -hmm. i guess maybe they're always kind of blurred i don't care either way i sit here going uh what you are doing there's always got to be a little bit guessing i think there's always got to be a little bit of a blur i think yeah what you would probably prefer is if they were a bit more explicit about pointing out when it is an educated guess as opposed to just knowing yeah I mean, it's just, it's not that hard. That's not even it's a throwaway line. That's literally just adjusted dialogue. Yeah. It's its just a little thing. It's a little thing. Yeah. It's such a small thing. It's completely overshadowed by something that's in show just funny um, and accurate to, you know, these kinds of Jaffa. I love how much they kind of give a shit, but also don't because, you know, they, Ray Tech will point out they shot low so they yeah, wouldn't hit the because, baby. Yeah, exactly. That was, Except, I was about to say that that's their second evidence yeah, for why she yeah. was carrying It, it does child. crack me the fuck up though because, that, okay, great. So that woman then that I mean I don't care how much she probably weighed she probably weighed like 120 pounds soaking wet uh, I don't know what that is in 
smart countries that don't use a bullshit uh, measurement system. <laughs> I know stones. I just don't know how they work versus bounds. Yeah, um, and so on. Anyway, when you're running full tilt, so it's just funny to have like, they shot low to avoid the baby. And I'm like, right. And then the dead person falling on that baby wasn't a problem. <laughs> It'd be less of a problem than, than shooting a baby. Yeah, you're not wrong, but it does amuse uh, me. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, they had to you're pick. also not wrong. <laughs> they had to pick. And I love... They're, you yeah. know, but they were forced into, I guess. I'm just amused by the situation. I mean, anything. the Jaffa aren't actively taught to have critical thinking skills. I mean, that's fine because they have better aim-ish than stormtroopers. True. So, uh, yeah, they're like, okay, so she was carrying the baby. She got shot, blah, 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 blah. And obviously, at some point in all of this, the Jaffa got fried by whatever weapon. And they're like, okay, well, she had the baby. Where's the baby now? Fat lot of good that did her. Right. Well, I mean, the monk also gets killed before Oma shows up. Honestly, I can't complain because this is very in line with ancients. They don't give Absolutely. a fuck. Especially when they can yeah. bring ascension to the table. They're like, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah, We're giving you something else that's better. And it's like, fuck you. I would have enjoyed my additional 50 years on the earthly plane, okay? Yeah, I actually think it's very in character for her to come in after. They, especially because, like... Uh, with the monk, he's been studying under her. Ascension's probably been his goal the whole okay. time. He's less of an issue. Um, he's less of an issue. The, the priest but lady. She, priestess. But she might have also been the same way. We Maybe. didn't get to meet her. Maybe, but, but she was still on the ground. And uh, after a monk dude died, he uh, Jedi'd himself away. His uh, clothes, you know, sank as his body fuzzed away. That's and true. her body was still there because they needed it to be, obviously, for the storyline purposes here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. She's literally nameless in this, but it's just like, that's yeah. the point. That's kind of part of the fucking problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. why was uh, there only one chick? Why was she in charge of the baby? And why was she sent off with it instead of Monk Dude? Or why was any, why did any of this shit happen? So they continue on and they find a temple. Exactly what the myth said. I love how fucking yeah. accurate they are sometimes. But I love how, like, as they stand at, like, the entrance of the temple and they're all kind of taking it in and, like, thinking about, like, defensible positions, blah, 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 blah. Daniel just walks straight into the middle of the courtyard and starts taking his combat gear off. I love it. No hesitation at all. He just starts whipping the, the vest off, just, like, flopping it on the ground. He's just like, huh. and, Dan and Jack goes, Daniel? <laughs> You saw my text, right? Yeah. I, I lost my mind. I was in the... I always do. It's just... I was I was in the middle of being so happy because I loved how the entrance gate was clearly made to resemble a Stargate. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I see what you did there. That's a good fucking it's touch. Great. I love that. Yeah. You know, especially how they blended that into the, you know, the Buddhist temple kind of mm -hmm. look and theme. But yeah, immediately after I texted that, I lost my mind because it was Daniel... Jack. Jack. He's <laughs> like, what are you doing? Oh and Daniel God. makes the... In my eyes, quite obviously, don't bring weapons into a temple, Jack. <laughs> and Braytac immediately agrees with him. He's like, yes, yes, absolutely. And he starts, like, di divesting himself of stuff, too. And Jack's like, you know, Braytac, you can wait outside. And he's like, uh, no, I've been wanting to know about this place since you were, before you were born. I'm coming in as he hands his that gun to Teal. I like that exchange. I loved Braytac's face where it was like, Bitch, please? Yeah! <laughs> Excuse me? I'm not staying out here. Go fuck yourself. As much as I loved all of that, I was also too busy squeeing over what's literally a 1.5 second long shot. And it's not even the focus of the shot. It's just leave mm -hmm. it to me to find it. But as Jack is like giving in a little bit, he's just kind of like... <sighs> 
and starts unstrapping. You see him turn his back ever so slightly, and Sam immediately starts helping him unstrap. <laughs> you, you have problems. <laughs> I do, I do, I really do. But that one and a half seconds was everything to me. I I lost my mind. I was I was so happy. I was so happy. I was like, oh my god, look at her helping him out. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's it's hysterical. I love his wait here. And then I get confused as fuck because guns or not, the dialogue seems to indicate that Jack is going along with Daniel's whole no weapons thing. And it was kind of backed up, it, I and thought, then he has a gun by the unstrapping in. of the gun that he then just still leaves on his shoulder and carries in anyway. So I'm like, okay, so he just unstrapped it to have it easier to use, I guess. But then why have that dialogue know. lead in directly into that shot of him walking? It was just a weird contradiction, and I feel like it was a mistake. Yeah, I think what might have happened is that they had two different versions of what they were doing here. Yeah, I think it might and it could just be a continuity unfortunately, thing unfortunately, the one version got for the first half, and the second version wound up in the second yeah, half. Yeah, there, there was something similar to that um, in the... Uh, uh, la, 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 la. <sighs> foothold episode remember on the plane where all of a sudden the audio just gets really fucked up just for a second oh yeah where somebody's yeah. saying something clearly not lining up with what was happening yeah. and obviously something had to happen there because something else went wrong yeah so maybe it was something like that who the fuck knows i mean this was a lot less jarring than that foothold thing as Absolutely. brief as it was so i did spend way too much time on it going wait <laughs> <laughs> i did have a but... moment when they're in the temple and he's pointing the gun around where i'm like jack you were supposed to leave that outside yeah, I, was like, I, I was i just i remember very clearly you un unbuckling it because i was freaking out about the unbuckler so so what what yeah i don't know man it that's definitely just an oopsie yeah uh so jack daniel and Braytac all walk into the temple and they get confronted by a monk. Why did that sound who... like a three people walk into a bar joke? Because <laughs> it is. They get confronted by a monk who starts talking about Dasala. And Daniel's trying to figure out the origin and meaning of the word. And it's not until um, the guy says something like, she is everywhere and everything. That he's like, oh, nature. It means nature. Yeah. I enjoy every time he does a little bit of linguistics where he's like, oh, it's it's this origin. I'm trying to remember what it means. Well, I, I enjoy all those little, those brief little academic bits that he gets to have every now and then. With that in mind, though, I fucking loved when the the guy, the monk is using, um, the guy who's in everything. I think he's one of those guys I call one of those perpetual extras because I've seen him yeah. in everything. He's one of those Canadian actors who's been in fucking everything. But when he said the, here is everywhere you are. Yeah. I, I couldn't stop laughing because I, all I could think was, that's just annoying people speak for, time for you to start talking now, Daniel. Yeah, exactly. It, it, honestly, yeah. As you watch like, Jack this just is not tap the, out. The audience for Jack. This yeah. is not Jack's day. <laughs> but he's just looking at him like, what you can just see <laughs> yeah. him tapping out and that's daniel's cue yep but i do love that like so this monk basically only speaks in zen cohen's he talks in zen cohen's to basically tell them to take off their shoes <laughs> you're in a fucking temple this this leads in perfectly to my exasperated text i sent you at one point where it's uh -huh. jesus fucking christ the ancients and all of their acolytes are allergic to just getting to the fucking point yep just say the words. Is it really easier to say GSW? <laughs> Is it really easier to say all of these? Like, as somebody who accidentally speaks in the most... God, this word's uh -huh. always a bitch. Circu circuitous. Circuitous. It's such, it feels wrong. 
I always want to add like a Q in there or something. But you want to say circuitous? Yeah, every time. Every time. It feels like it's wrong otherwise. Anyway, I speak in a very circuitous manner. I involve many extra words, so on. It's a struggle. Yeah. I have an excuse in that it's unintentional. This guy yeah. intentionally behaves in this manner. They all do. So, and it drives me batshit. What I want to say here is I'm not excusing them because there is no excusing the ancients. <laughs> there is no but excuse. I think there is no why they for the do position. is because they have, it's one of those things where like, if you've got a millennia, an hour means nothing to you. Yeah. So saying something in the stretch of an hour that could be said in a minute means nothing to you. I just love people who are frivolous with others' time. Yeah. As well as their well, own. Of course the ancients are frivolous with other people's time. They're frivolous with everything. Yeah. The ancients are like, a that's why I'm saying I'm not example of the wrong excusing them because the power. ancients are fucking inexcusable, but I understand how it works for their character. I, I must not be remembering this very well. I'm just looking over as we were talking and it caught the edge of the trivia and that guy, the major who gets stationed at the gate and has a couple of yeah. scenes. I, I don't remember him from Andromeda, but apparently he was in Andromeda. Oh, he looked familiar, but I don't remember the character. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember that much about Andromeda to begin with. It's been a very long time, and Kevin Sorbo is absolutely no incentive for me to rewatch that. So, I saw two episodes of Andromeda. And I know what I was just going to say, and I know which ones you saw. So yeah. In one of them, he had terrible hair, and in the other one, he oh. was very hot. No, I'm an idiot. I know exactly who this guy is in Andromeda now. He's one of the... Oh, shit, never mind. Okay. Uh <laughs> I helped. <laughs> Somehow, even though it has nothing to do with it, it is really weird. Somehow the dots connected. I, I, I got nothing. Whatever. I just needed that other hemisphere, I guess. Thanks. Um, yeah. You're welcome. It's like, it's I like gave we're, a brain cell back. It's like we're operating a Jaeger from across two ends of the city. Yeah. <laughs> we're drift compatible. <laughs> if anybody would be. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. But da, 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 with that in mind, sorry, he must be in the show more than I remember because, or somebody had a really fun field day giving him the most extra name ever for a one-off because I just looked over and realized this guy's name is Major Michael Patrick Coburn. Wow. <laughs> they middle named him and everything. Well, if he's supposed to be the replacement for the Marines, he might be Yeah, I'm guessing. I guess I figured when I saw his face, I was like, oh yeah, I know you. I guess I just figured it was because of the Andromeda thing. That yeah. I just didn't remember where, but I'm realizing it's probably just because he was in some various episodes here and there. He might also just be one of those uh, perpetual actors, perpetual extras too. Perpetual actors. Yeah, I don't know what a perpetual actor is other than a career. <laughs> so yeah, I do like that like when Jack realizes this entire meeting is going to be Zen Cohen's, he's basically just like, I hate this riddle stuff. <laughs> and Daniel, my note here says, Jack hates this riddle stuff, and Daniel hushes him like a long-suffering wife. Yeah. No, but they're, they, <laughs> oh, as usual, though, they, they uh, prove why they're so perfect for each other, because yeah. I love how we were, you know, mocking the acolytes, right? Because they're just like the ancients that can't get to the goddamn point. Yep. And no one just says or asks the thing that they just should. And Jack really compliments Daniel well here because Daniel is meant to be an ascended being because he also yes, genuinely yes. forgot that he could just ask where yeah. the boy was and he wouldn't have known if it hadn't been for jack so i do right. love his presence here i love his exasperation i love his validation of my feelings here which is just cool are you not are you not are you just not gonna you're just gonna be difficult okay i'm gonna leave now <laughs> yeah i do not mean to be disrespectful to zen coens and stuff mm -hmm. but they don't do anything for me <laughs> i know this is a self-burn i'm okay with that yeah. And this mm -hmm. shit makes me have a very similar reaction to Jack, which is, peace out. 
Yeah, so he basically is like, fine, you talk to them, I'll just be a guard. <laughs> you do the talkie-talkie, I'll just hold a gun. So Daniel thinks that this might, that this man might follow the origins of Buddhism on Earth and identifies what he's saying as Zen Cohen's. We cut outside okay. to... Real quick, you know the game yeah. Telephone, right? Yeah. Telephone can be applied to basically everything in history something that we're if we're saying something now that might have been said 200 years ago we're saying a version of it a little bit we're saying a version of it but it is not the original version and if it is it's because of extenuating circumstances i don't think these are like official zen okay i would have appreciated more specific lines i think it's a pattern yeah but that's what also kills me is i I mentioned this before it is interesting to me i would just love to speak to an anthropologist honestly because i am mostly just made aware of how much i don't know (laughs) i'm very ignorant in this subject because this kills me how it's so similar to how it happened to f- continue evolving on Earth. I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't care if you have the same root. There are tons of religions on Earth that can show us how much something can diverge from the same root. And they yeah. can go drastically or even, or, or, or tiny, but either way, there's significant differences to somebody. Yeah. And there are ones that the patterns are very similar, and there are ones that the patterns are not even remotely similar, and you wouldn't believe that they came from the same root. So, yeah, it's just interesting to me that this is yet another example of one that just so happened to very closely follow the same path as its uh, mm-hmm. inspired offshoot to the point where the, uh, you know, resident anthropologist dude, archaeologist can uh, figure it out. It's not that it's wrong that Daniel can recognize it. It's just that it's a little wrong to me that every single planet happened to work out the same way <laughs> to a very identifiable degree. Mm-hmm. So uh, we cut outside. We see Tilk and Sam starting standing guard. We get a little bit of an ominous wind. Meanwhile, there's some magic wind outside. Yeah, magic wind. And then Tilk sees a light, a, a light moving through the water nearby, and he doesn't tell Sam about it. <laughs> there are a lot of things that happen in this episode, and they don't seem to happen for any reason. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's, I much like the crow, I think this entire cutout side was pointless. I feel like the director was just bored. Was this meant to be a two-parter in, like, original conception or something? Because it feels know. like there was more here. Not that it's, like, lacking, per se, mm-hmm. but it feels like there's pieces that have been strategically or surgically cut out. And not, like, in your, like, just deleted scene kind of way. They're just, what's with all these weird little door openers? I don't know, man. So... I don't know what the phrase door openers is, but it works. So Jack comes out to join them because he doesn't want to be involved in the riddles. Back inside, uh, the monk actually, for the first time, mentions Oma de Sala. Oh, shit. Real fast, though. Yes. Um, when Jack comes out, is that the part where Sam gets like a little impatient and he like takes off his hat and goes like, yeah, I know. Is that the scene? Yeah, I think okay. so. I-, I had to point out to Sam, I-, I feel her pain, but you can't rush art, Sam. Or super irritating dicks with a superiority complex. Tomato to fuck the ancients. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair. So back inside, the monk brings up Omidasala. Braytek, at this point, seems to understand the monk a bit more clearly than Daniel. Uh, what I think it is, is that Braytek came into this wanting a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is very much Whereas in Whereas Daniel wheelhouse. came into it in a more intellectual, academic mm-hmm. way. He gets to where Braytek came in at. But he doesn't start that way. So I think that's why in the beginning, Braytac just seems to more plainly understand the points the monk is trying to make. Which is where he basically has this exchange with uh, the monk, which we actually alluded to a little bit earlier. Where the guy talks about how Braytac can't walk the path while he still has a primta in him. 
And Braytac's like, yeah, but the, if I remove the Primta, I die. And then the monk says, when the mind is freed, the body is no longer required. Which is a very, in our our previous our future knowledge of this show a very obvious nod towards ascension like you don't need a primta you will ascend i adore robert c cooper uh-huh for this part because yeah. you know when the mind is freed right everything you just said is 100 true and then he managed to also layer on this tiny little extra layer there of something that is funny as fuck to me because i was about to it's also something i'm going to criticize in a, in a split second because mm -hmm. as usual convenience has its place here whenever they need uh the team to be able to go connect the dots and go oh they might be referencing the goa uld like with uh, thor's hammer kind of thing you know like mm -hmm. this this the species specific blocking tech kind of yeah. thing when it makes sense for them when, it, when, it, when it's important for the story they're able to immediately deduce that ship here completely goes over their head this extra layer of and what is a primta and what is a goa uld if not somebody who can take over the mind i love the extra element of you can't bring oh, a I mind enslaver that, with dude. you yeah i love I it i didn't even think about that that's great no i love that you can't bring a literal yeah. mind chain with you on the quest to freedom from that's the chains great. like love that damn i adore this guy he is so good at writing mm -hmm. i love Layered, subtle shit. I know Hell I'm yeah. usually 100% on Jack's side with his uh, smart-ass shit, but earlier when he was, you know, dissing subtlety, I was kind of like, nah, man, subtlety is awesome. This isn't subtlety. This is just avoiding saying things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, here, this is subtlety. This is yeah, good. Yeah, it's great. So, Braytech basically says, like, I understand, but I'm not ready to give up quite yet. That's where he finds his resolve. He's like, but the monk is basically like, when you are ready to leave your primta behind, the path will be waiting for you. So it's basically like, Braytax is like, I can fight, I can keep fighting because I know at the end of it, there is this thing waiting for me. I do enjoy that scene. I really enjoy him having his uh, spiritual awakening reassurance yeah, moment and I such. really appreciated yeah. letting Braytax do something other than show up and beat people up. Yeah. I, I still stand by what I was saying earlier, though, which was, I'm great, I'm here for him wanting to live, uh -huh. but there was dialogue that was talking about how much it wasn't a choice. <laughs> like, there's a certain element here you're completely overlooking, Braytac, which is, uh, I, I believe you brought it up yourself, age. Like, you're reaching well, I mean, the age where you can't the... carry one anymore. That's not going to change, well, no matter how basically... resolved you are. Well, I, yeah, but I part of this is, the like, basically, when he gets to the point where he can't carry the primps anymore... That's when he can come back, you know? Yeah, no, I, I get that. And, and, I, and I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. <laughs> it just, to have specific dialogue addressing it, but not concluding it, drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. Where, they, when, when they were being set up, they were much more separate. Less of yeah. a, I am defeated. And on top of that, I'm an old man who's just literally yeah. fighting time. And then they're here where it seemed like they're much more entwined and much more of a... It wasn't that he was worried about the Primta so much as what it represented, I guess. You know, the, the mm -hmm. end. And that was all he could focus on, which is like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I didn't get that in the setup, though. <laughs> Maybe I just missed something and that that's could just be me doing a self-burn. I'm, I'm fine with that. It's <laughs> day that ends and why. But the point... I, I still I feel like I could have a point. I think like a personal interpretation. <laughs> yeah. and, so I think yeah. your side of things is fair. With that resolution, Braytac's like, okay... My time in this temple is done, and he gets up and walks out, and he just leaves Daniel with the monk, and... If only all of our crises were that easy to overcome. Right. Uh, and there's a great little tie-up to that scene where Daniel does, like, a little nervous smile, and he's like, 
I don't have to date. I don't have to die, right? <laughs> well, uh, and then, here's the thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you will. Not right now, but yeah, you will. But I do like that, like, uh, with saying without saying, the monk basically goes, no, but you have to meditate. <laughs> For me, there's no difference. Yeah, right? I can't meditate. They start having, like, a little bit of a frank conversation where the monk is basically like, hey, do you think you can keep the kids safe if you take them with you? And Daniel's like, yeah, I believe so. Which I'm like, that's a little full of yourself, buddy. But, like, I do think he Laughable. genuinely... Yeah, no. I... I think he thinks he can. Oh, yeah, no, his overconfidence is exactly on point. But I think that's, like, exactly his blind-hearted optimism oh, kind of yeah. thing. no, no, it's, yeah. And he's it, he's doing the same thing that we all do, which is he's confusing what he thinks is right and what he wants to be right yeah, with what is exactly. right. They're, sometimes they're wildly opposite, and sometimes they're extremely parallel to each yeah. other. It's, it, can be, it can be really easy to blur it. So in response to Daniel having this uh, misinterpretation of what he would like to be true and what is true uh we get the the ultimate ascended ascended phrase if you immediately know the candlelight is fire then the meal was cooked a long time ago so right before daniel says his response i want you to know i literally just stared at the screen for a moment i looked that monk dead in the eyes and i told him to go fuck himself Because that is the most bullshit thing I've ever heard. (laughs) What I love about Daniel, about Michael Shanks' portrayal of this, is he goes, right, right. Like, he understands it for a brief moment, and then there's a pause, and he goes, I have no no idea idea what what you're talking about. (laughs) So one thing I think is actually smart about how they use that phrase is that you will see it, it's it's the most used phrase. Yeah, in, well, it comes in, into play in later relation with to the... Oma de Sala. But what I like about it is that it gets used many times, and it usually means something different every time. And I think they do a decent job of giving you an idea about what it means each time. And what I got out of this one, especially because of the timing of him saying it, it's this... The whole thing about basically like don't count your chickens before they hatch like if you impulsively believe this thing then you're gonna get your ass burned it's basically about him being too hasty yeah really. you, you've already made the conclusion through your own actions but it wasn't necessary yeah yeah no i but i, 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 I can see that i still hate it no i i get you I just like that this phrase gets used to mean several different things down the line in this canon. The only use of it that I enjoy is with Replicarder, because it's a pretty smart way for Daniel to test if yeah. it's Replicarder. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, I don't think it we'll works, get there. but I can't remember. I think it, I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't work the way he wanted it to, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. Speaking of Ascension, I'm pretty sure it doesn't go yeah. the way he planned. Um, yeah. But yeah, hey, you know what? It went the way I planned, which was that Jack got to see him naked again, so... <laughs> oh my god that scene is so funny that's the moment you're sad they're not on showtime anymore because otherwise he could drop the flag <laughs> listen by then he was quite buff so it was fine just having the shirtless <laughs> i could have stood to see more considering how much he complained about the little sock in his first drop down from ascension i don't think he would have agreed <laughs> i'm not wearing a sock i will wear a flag <laughs> it is substantial it needs more coverage that forest wasn't doing me any favors. This time it's going to be in a warm office. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so we get like, we get this kind of like obvious, a bit of a time 
passes. Not a huge amount of time at this point. We're still kind of early on into the day. But some time has clearly passed where he's trying to get Daniel to, like, join in the meditation and, like, all of that stuff. But this is where we have the one shot I really like, where we get the camera from above them, where they're both sitting across from each other and they've made a sort of circle shape in their in the way they're sitting and facing each other. And the camera is above their heads and just rotates a little around them. Yeah, no, the, the cinematographer like the was Yang coming out. Zen symbol and everything. Yeah, you know, I gotta say he might have extreme directing decisions, but his cinematography skills are actually very, yeah, very much there. With, Absolutely, with and I love that shot. It's a really nice shot. So this is where, uh, so he basically confronts Daniel with his feelings on the gold, and Daniel doesn't hesitate to be like, "Yeah, of course I hate them for what they've done." I like how. Because the episode's got to get going. They, they This guy who's been allergic to efficiency up until this point finally goes, oh, I better start like actually yeah. moving this along. And we finally start getting some dialogue that isn't just infuriating. I think he kind of had to test their resolve, you know? Man, I would have failed that test so fucking fast. You would have been Jack walking out. <laughs> Dude, that wasn't even a test I wanted to take. Right. But, uh, you know, he admits to hating the gold. And the monk basically says that if he, you know, harbors that hate and uses it to help make his decisions it'll lead to the child's death fear leads to anger anger leads to hate hate leads to the dark side yes yes yoda so there's a a candle sitting in between them and the monk tells daniel to light it and daniel's like what with with my brain we have lighters for that what are you (laughs) and like while he's like arguing with him about how that's ridiculous the monk lights it with his brain uh, honestly when he said light it my first thought was laser eyes because oma Dasala, the first gen idea of what she looks like she looks like superman's yeah. mom in the in the fortress of solitude i kept waiting for marlon brando to show up nah. so yeah i just thought superman why not but yeah so so he lights the candle and then he says uh put it out and daniel blows it out <laughs> i'm like supposed to do that's the best the response yeah, but I also like that the monk actually kind of like smile laughs at that. Like, like you know, what? okay, that you was got my me. bad. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I love I the way this monk one. interacts with Daniel. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, that was the monk's facial expression version of, uh, yeah, nope, uh, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah, <laughs> I loved that. But then he's like, with, with your, your mind. mind. But I love how Daniel also is a little bit sheepish at that point. He's like, right, uh, could you light it again? <laughs> uh, be still, my heart, This whole exchange heart, is Daniel. so cute. No, I know, he is, uh, oh. There's, okay, I hated, I hated the second season of Altered Carbon. It was, uh-huh. it was not good. The, the first red flag for me, and I told Eric, I was like, you know what, I just don't think this is going to be a good season. And he was laughing, he's like, yeah, because they killed Michael Shanks. I'm like, nah, I mean, it's not just that. <laughs> It's because they bring him in for, like, 40 seconds to play a meth, uh, one of the old um, immortal types. And yeah. he's, the, he's the, the plot device that brings them in. He starts the whole ball rolling, and he has a few lines, and it's like, okay, cool. I, great. Awesome. Michael Shanks, let's do this. And literally, aside from, like, a cameo shot at the end, he, he brings them in, says, somebody's trying to kill me, and then that person succeeds. And that's episode one. What a waste. I, you Right? 
That's what I was. I was so surprised. It was like when I was watching Mandalorian and the uh, first episode with uh, Ming Na was happened, and I, she, I thought, was killed off immediately, and I was like, "What the? F- you brought Ming Na to the set for you don't this? Kill Ming Na? Did you? Excuse me. I was offended. Eric can vouch. He had to pause for a few minutes because I was like, "No, seriously, fuck this. What the hell? You have to win. Seriously, she's barely even in it. She's set up to be this bitch and badass, and she gets taken out like a little punk. What? How rude!" And then they totally uh, amended that fact, and we were good. Um, and and then all was trust right in my process. world. Uh, <laughs> I can trust Favreau. It turns out there's that. Yeah. <laughs> He understands who he's working with. And so, yeah. Anyway, the whole point. Uh, Back a couple of times. Wasting Michael Shanks. Yeah. it's He's a sci-fi. Like, he is a powerhouse. Mm -hmm. This guy's gotten consistent work since Stargate. He's he's just a phenomenal phenomenal actor. Actor. So, you brought him in for nothing. Yeah. And you don't see the problem here. It's like, no wonder your second season failed. You didn't know what you were doing from the beginning. So, yeah. No goddamn respect. Yeah, no fucking respect. No fucking respect. So, yeah, I forgot exactly what brought me to that thing to begin with, but it was just Michael Shanks is amazing. How cute the exchange yeah. was between the, the candle. He's just, his acting is in- amazing. It's impeccable. Some, he brings so much to a scene. There's just great personality yeah. to it. That was what also killed me. Is they had him, like, playing this, like, reserved ex-soldier type who, like, speaks kind of like this. And it was, like, it was, like, so it was kind of, like, physically watching someone try to restrain his charisma in real time. And it He's was got so much exactly. Charisma. That's why I was so annoyed by it. I was like, okay, this has to be for like a reason, right? And it's not just to kill him off like a bitch, right? So He's got so much charisma that they regularly have to give him secondary roles to do exactly, in episodes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh this cute scene continues for a little bit more where after he relights the candle, he tells Daniel asks him, he's like, Is there some is this like a trick candle or something? And then in response to that, he the guy tells him touch the flame and then he's like what he's like touch the flame and daniel seems a little hesitant but he goes for it man he goes out and he touches the flame and he's like ow yeah daniel fire is hot (laughs) (laughs) but what i love is that the monk uses that as a as a a message for you uh, he's like why did you do that he's like well you told me to he's like you trusted me to tell you to do that you still have a capacity for trust it's gone now (laughs) your capacity to trust is important you must trust in omadasala trust omadasala to put the light out for you i can trust her to burn me (laughs) gullibility will get you burned a gullibility will open you up to uh, letting Omidasala do magic, quote unquote, for you. <laughs> it's just you basically praying to her, saying, hey, Oma, can you do this thing for me? <laughs> but uh, so he's been in there so long, it is now nighttime and Jack is done waiting. He's like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> uh, and he goes in and he, he's ready to tell Daniel we're leaving. And Daniel starts to tell him the entire premise of the ancients about, like, them ascending and, you know, giving a, a, a quick rundown to what we're going to actually see in the future. My favorite part about all of this is it's, like, a few minutes of just consistent epic banter between the two of them. I can't handle yeah. their interactions. I can never handle their interactions. But he's like, great, He says, man. like, something of, I forget exactly what Daniel says, but Jack responds with, no, you're confused, Daniel. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the way he just, he's just so 
done with Daniel all the time. Just insert reason here. It's great. <laughs> and, I fucking love and, it. And vice versa. I just, I, I cannot handle oh, them. there's another part a little bit where he's so done with Daniel and I wrote down the line, so we'll get there. But Daniel wants to show Jack that he can do the magic woo-woo now. <laughs> uh, this is where it starts to lose me for a bit. Yeah, I know. I, I, don't worry, I'll take over. Because <laughs> uh, I don't have a problem with any of this. Jack is ready to basically start pointing his gun and getting the answers they need. I will shoot through the wooey. Because Jack's not impressed by the candle lighting. But as he's about ready to start waving his gun around, the gun starts floating up out of his hand. And he's like, okay, I'm a little bit more impressed by that. Please stop pointing it at me. <laughs> I, I do understand how silly this is of me because it's not exactly like I have psychic powers to demonstrate uh-huh. here. But I always have, I never have an issue judging the hell out of people with their telekinesis skills here. It's like that movie, uh, Push, Push, uh, with Chris Evans in it and uh, Dakota Fanning. It, it's about people I, with powers. It's it's a weird movie. It wasn't good. The, telekinesis is a thing. Is a thing. And as uh-huh, you know, he yeah. there's a whole thing where he like you know gains his powers and so on. He's able to you know he's much better at using it. And they're supposed to show how there's a scene that shows you know how much better he's gotten over the uh, course of the movie. And all I can think is the same thing I'm thinking here, which is okay, impressive and all, but that is shaky as fuck. <laughs> like, can you hear that rattle? <laughs> rattle, 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 mm. rattle, rattle, rattle. So I, I I have a hard time being intimidating by the intimidated by the floating gun because all I think is. It sounds like you're about to drop it at any second now. <laughs> I'm more scared for my toes <laughs> than anything else. Right. But uh, there's a great bit where Jack is basically like telling, like asking the monk, how is he doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And Daniel's like, he's not doing it. I am. Well, you're half right. <laughs> yeah, this is actually, um, I, you know, what? I'll wait until I get to the note about this. Because I think it's an interesting, true to character thing for Daniel. It's a little frustrating, but I appreciate that, like, they're being true to his character instead. And he gets there eventually. So, like, I actually like this. I think this shows Robert C. Cooper having a fundamental understanding of the characters he's writing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Jack's kind of like, fine, I guess we're fucking staying longer. (laughs) So he comes back outside. Uh, We find out that the gold are attacking because um, their initial Jaffa forces never came back, obviously. But they're not so doing time it to send more. anymore. They're doing it via ship. And um, you start seeing some attacks flying by and everything. Jack is basically telling, not quite yet, I'm just going to say this now, but like Jack is going to start telling the Marine backup to head back through SG-1, SG-1, SGC, and tell Hammond, hey, we're going to need a lot of backup. Um, but he hasn't gone through yet. So they decide to set up a defensive perimeter around the temple while Jack is telling the Marines to get ready to go back through and warn Hammond about needing more backup and everything. Am I the only one who questions the, the point of trying to set up a perimeter with five fucking people against a fucking horde like what they, they don't they not at any point in time is there even a, a moment where someone acknowledges this verbally <laughs> that it's a little interesting say, that they're doing okay, this I, I know i know the viewers get an overhead shot of exactly how many fucking people are here but does sg1 know exactly i how many i I, are here? I see where you're they coming see from like one flyer coming overhead and we know that there are other like, we get news of more, but I don't know if they know exactly how many fucking people are here. I think de- deduction is at play here in a reasonable way, in the sense of they would they would be ridiculous to not err on the side of caution, I think, and 
guess big. And, mm. and I'm not okay. I'm not even saying that their options were they should have run or something. I'm not even saying they should yeah. have run or something like that because I understand that they needed to stay for the baby. I, I they had yeah. a point to be there, but they yeah. literally at no point connect any dots verbally. For no, I get you. It's not even remotely going to work out, <laughs> and it's obvious. In enough of a way that there, there should have been at least a line. And I'm not talking about the part like when they start having shit go down. I'm, I'm talking pre shit hitting the fan kind of stuff. Like, mm, it just, mm, it, was, it was weird. Like they kept re- referencing like claymores and shit. And I was like, okay, that'll do loads against the first wave. Like I would just, I would have just loved somebody yeah. mentioning the problem here. No, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And I understand. I don't disagree. I think it was kind of just a well, what the fuck else do we do kind of thing. I, I would have loved that line. I would have loved that line. Yeah, no, you know, I no. Again, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. So they're they're, they're Jack basically is like we got to set up a perimeter, and Sam's like, why are we not leaving? Do we not have the child yet? And Jack basically brings her in to show her why Daniel cannot be moved. And Daniel decides to show off his fire thing even bigger this time, which is where we get another really dramatic fire shot, him behind the fire. It lingers a little too long. Something tells me they were just really excited about the pyrotechnics they got to use that day. But I love, and this is where we get Sam being you. Where she's just like, no, I don't. How how is this happening? And Daniel's like, it's I'm I'm the one doing it. She's like, no, no. <laughs> no. She's like, I don't know what's causing it, but something's doing that, it. That would have literally been how I would have responded. I I, I yeah. shit you not. He would have said that, and I would I was have responded like, oh, with, look, Liz no. is in the episode. <laughs> no, that's not how that works. Where's the Where's the gas vent? Where's yeah. Where's the actual source? To be honest, it was in a pile of sand, so there was definitely a gas vent under That's how they did the pyrotechnics. Definitely that's what they did. But like... It looked kind of like they lit like a gas pool on fire to get that flowy effect in the sand. Yeah. Either it way, it, cool. it didn't I just shitty. think it was dramatic. It was extremely dramatic. So uh, this is actually where I start talking about... Daniel decides that the whole point of him coming here and doing like the Coens with the monk and learning how to do the candle and all that stuff... Was that Oma wanted to give him enough power to defend the child before she would give him the child. And my note here is, Daniel is hearing the conversation. He's hearing the conversation, but interpreting the wrong thing from it. In his eagerness, which is honestly very daniel oh yeah no it, this is exceptionally on track for him and then yeah. on top of that it's such a painfully human thing yes to hear is. this and immediately well, insert yourself into the hero of ages role yeah and i think it ties back to if you i'm not gonna say it right unless i actually find the line it ties right back to the lesson of the uh fuck where is it if you immediately know the candlelight is fire then the meal is cooked a long time ago He's made an assumption about what this conversation is about, and he's wrong about that. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's what he thinks this whole thing was for him. Uh, the team go out to, you know, set mines and set up a perimeter outside because they can't make Daniel budge. Can they ever? No, no, they can't. They really, unless there has been a couple episodes where Jack has had to physically grab Daniel and drag him off. Yeah, no, he is just telling Daniel, Daniel, it's time to go. Doesn't work. (laughs) But yeah, they all leave. Daniel's the only one there. He sees a glowing light descend and he's actually seeing oma now he's seeing a very glowy only it's a face really it's a face with like glowy shrouds around it i maintain it's superman's mom yeah oh fair fair enough 
That, that might have been their direct inspiration, man. It's funny, I can remember Marlon Brando, but I, for the life of me, cannot remember who played his mom. So, uh, she floats through a wall, and he follows her. So, it's, it's funny that he uh, is able to pass through the same way, considering, and I know it's because she's allowing him to. Don't get me wrong, yeah, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not dissing it, but it is funny that assumptions were made on his behalf, because she is a ball of energy. Yeah. No, well, does she went through fits, a wall. She's incorporeal. I, I think his assumptions fit really well with where his mind is oh, yeah. right now. No, like I said, I'm not he thinks it. that Oma has given him powers. Right? No, it's just it's beautiful watching the continued assumption because yeah, and, I, and it's, it's not great. like he's stupid about it. He doesn't just walk nose no. first in. He does touch it first. You know, he does the whole yeah. mirroring of the Stargate touching thing. They they love to go back to that whole. They thing. 100% used the same effect for walking through the Stargate. It doesn't work quite no, as well as a flat wall no, as it does with rippling. Yeah, blue, nope, yeah. Nope. Nope. The, the sand, te- the sand texture only made it worse. Yeah. They tried though, man. They tried. But it, I just, I would have liked it if you just kind of like passed through it instead of them doing that whole yeah. swallowing effect. Because again, she's incorporeal. No shit, she goes through it. She should just yeah. pass through it. And then if she's the one doing all the shit, it would have made more sense, I think, to have him also just kind of phase through it. Yeah. But whatever. So yeah, he walks through a wall. And SG-1 come back in because I think I think maybe at this point they have found out exactly how many people are here to come for the temple. All of them. Yeah, and that's why they come back in to collect Daniel at this point. But Daniel's not here anymore. And they're like, shit. <laughs> and so at this Should point, Jack's like, hey, I guess we can't run. Hey, new marine dude, I need you to contact Hammond with some backup. Um, and then they come back out and because they're SG-1 and they don't leave anyone behind. Yes. To which Hammond says, hell no, there are hundreds of them and yeah. I have a finite amount of people here. Right, yeah. Like, to what end? Like, that's very sweet of you to think that would work, Jack, but... <laughs> but because SG-1 doesn't leave anyone behind, they're not gonna leave the temple when Daniel's still somewhere inside it. So they, you know, bunker down to do their perimeter. And while they're settling, setting up, <laughs> Jack makes some comment about when they get Daniel back, he's going to harm Daniel severely for the stress he's putting him through. And I was like, you can't even come up with a specific punishment because you know it's not going to stick. What's that Rihanna song with whips and chains? S&M. That's playing right now in the background <laughs> yeah i just love how vague his threat was you can see he was like i'll i'll harm him severely <laughs> uh, so um inside daniel gets to hold the kid and he does some amazing acting where he's just so okay so it's happy says question mark. holding this kid it yeah. says question mark here for the kid that the actor that plays the kid, the baby on uh-huh. set. So until someone tells me otherwise, and I am you not- You think it's his actual yep, kid? Yep, I'm not looking too heavily into this because I like my little headcanon and I, I don't, don't want to break it. Dude, there's one shot where he's just looking down at the, the baby and face. the smile he has on his in his eyes and just, you know, his actual smile- he looks like he loves this child. If it isn't his so kid, he's definitely it. still just a new dad in that moment because he yeah. is. Michael Shanks was a new dad at that time. He yeah, just absolutely. had his first kid, it's, so I bet he was... it would be about that size yeah. of a baby. Either way, I've seen parents. They just rev that hard on any baby. <laughs> well, it makes me think of um, Maleficent. Okay. Do you know that movie? Yeah. 
I'm just trying okay. to see what you're talking about. When the princess was a like a toddler, yeah. the the person who played the toddler princess was one of Angelina's Aww, daughters. That's adorable. So like her reactions to like a cute little kid, like you know, and her the kids' reactions were earnest, like oh, it's mom, you know, and then her reactions, like that kind of like fond like. Mm, kind of thing that that was her kid that's that's great it's like whenever you um you see a kid on tv that's crying and you can see them looking around and it's like they're crying because they're going where the fuck is mom yeah and mom's like just off that's camera. how they get the baby to cry his mom just Aww. steps off camera and then you can yeah. just see whenever the kids calm their eyes are always fixated on something off screen and it's they found because they're looking at the thing <laughs> like I, they can't even see that far ahead of them but they know something yeah yeah i don't need to i don't need to dig into it we're gonna say that's his child that's he that he's holding because that's some really great like even if it wasn't like he's a good enough actor that i'd believe oh, yeah. he could just like dig into his new father feelings oh, yeah, exactly and exactly do that yeah. but but yeah it's great but i love that like this show doesn't stray away from the idea that this child is not his in any way shape or form he still loves this child like it is his own i mean because it is the child of his wife so it is his child this doesn't count in any way, shape, or form because it's not an, a practical version of how it works out. But yeah. step parents are parents too. Exactly. Yeah. So it's well, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, basically, and I, a lot of it definitely comes down to the fact it's it's all that is left of Shadi. Exactly. At this point. Exactly. Exactly. And also, she trusted him with the child. Yeah. So those two things, that is his kid now. He loves that kid. Yep. You know, which is why the end of this episode is so hard. <laughs> but like he he's holding the kid. And he starts to, like, he's like, oh, thank you, no, I promise I'll keep him safe, blah, blah, blah. Because at this point, he still thinks, oh, you gave me powers to protect this child. And she doesn't speak this whole episode. This is not the episode where she talks. She's not going to talk until we get Oma back. Yeah, no, at first they communicate in, through powers. Here's the thing. I don't think she was, I don't think she was actually saying anything to him ever. I think she was speaking to him through her eyes. I was referencing the the line that he says. That was not me. That was all you. That's how you communicate. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Okay, that was okay, that was okay. what I meant. Is that method of communication? I think. See, I just assumed because there's enough of a pause between him figuring out what she's telling him with her eyes that some people could assume that they're like doing like telepathic communication or something. And I don't think that's what's happening. Yeah, no, I didn't at think all. that. No, I just I like I just I was no, just reminiscing on the fact that, that the yeah. authors, the writers, uh, were like. Oh, no, that's just going to make things needlessly complicated, so... Well, I think it also comes down to the fact that in this episode, the monk was her mouthpiece. The monk is not here anymore, so she's got to be her own mouthpiece. There you go, yes. Yeah. But yeah, so he's like, okay, you know, I promise I'll take care of him, I'll protect him. And he turns around and starts to walk towards the wall that he came through. And then right as he gets to the wall... Light bulb. He, his... I think it's because he had the baby in his arm, so he wasn't, like, doing that steady-minded, I must find the child. Yep. So now he had time to actually think about the situation he was in and, like, everything that had happened. And right before he goes up to the wall, he realizes, he's like, I didn't do any of that, did I? That was all you. Fuck. And then I just love this whole scene. What's so great about the scene is because she doesn't say anything the whole time and she just looks at him, it's Daniel coming to all of these realizations on his own and having to make all of these decisions on his own. So it's no one telling him you need to do this or you there would be there would be less meaning to it. It's kinda like in um Zuko's arc, his redemption arc in Avatar, how he has to quote unquote betray the Avatar team at the end of season two 
Never mind the fact that he was never working with them to begin. It's not really a betrayal. You, you but, can't you know, betray but, an uh, an enemy. Yeah, exactly. But he has to, you know, betray, quote unquote, betray them at the end of season two and go back home because his redemption doesn't mean anything until he chooses to leave on his own. If he chooses to join the gang when he isn't allowed to go home, there's always going to going to be that question of, well, what happens if you could go home? Whereas if he is home and he chooses, I am leaving, that's when it means something now. And it's the same way here. It could be, Oma could have been a chatty Kathy and could have said, hey, you need to leave him here. I can keep him safe, blah, 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 blah. But by being silent and letting him come to those realizations on his own, it means more. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, it's very much like addiction. Oh, yeah. You can't want to be sober for yeah, anybody exactly. else but yourself. It has to be the it other has person. To be it has for to be for the person involved. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. I love it. It's so good. And, like, a lot of it, you actually... So, like, he comes to realization, Oma's been doing it all along. And he has that whole bit about, this is how you communicate with this, is through your powers, through doing all that stuff. But then what I like is that there's a good amount of where it's just him silently thinking about it. He's not saying a lot of this out loud. Oh, no, he's, yeah, just, he's just contemplating. He's looking at his baby. He's looking at her. He's thinking about it. And then all he does, what I love is he doesn't explicitly say what his decision is, but you know exactly what his decision is. Because all he does is he looks up at Oma. He has this sad sort of smile. And he says, I made a promise. Because he promised Shade the baby would be kept safe. And he knows the safest place for the baby is with Oma. So he just slowly takes the baby back and puts it back where he pulled it from the bed. And I just love that. I, I get the feeling that this was kind of always Sharae's plan as well. I think she knew yeah. that he'd have to figure this out. I think she wasn't telling him to get the baby. I think she was telling him that's where the baby is. Protect it. Yeah. Protect the knowledge of it. Yeah, really. exactly. But yeah, I, I, I kind of get the feeling that this was pretty much always her plan. This was plan. the plan yeah. from the beginning. Amanette wanted the kid out of the way safe. Share wanted it safe safe. Yeah. No, I think that's, I love it. So yeah, so he he's on his way out. We don't see him, like, leave the room and blah 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 blah, but we know he's he's set the child down, he's left it in Alma's care, he's leaving. Uh, we cut outside to where a pretty small retinue of Jaffa have come up. Only just, like, I don't know, a dozen of them. I do like how they're still wearing their Sokar gear. Yeah. And I guess SG-1 are hidden well enough that he doesn't see them right away because the monk steps out and he's basically like, you know, telling them, you, you can't come here, blah, blah, blah. And we see the monk tells him to leave and we see the storm brewing overhead, which the storm has been brewing ever since we got news of the Jaffa landing on this planet. It's just been a very slow build this whole time. And they've just kept cutting to the sky, you know, as a hint, <laughs> as a hint. <laughs> So, um, he, and the monk gets shot by one of the Jaffa, he falls. Because he does literally nothing, because he sits there, he stands there, yeah. he says some, some shit, some co-ed or something, I don't know. Whatever it was, it was not effective, and it no. did not stop a staff blast. And they shoot him. But he's fine, because he's gonna ascend, don't worry, guys. I just, I just love how they're so cool with trading. Yeah. Like, you have a, you, you know, you're gonna get there anyway, right? So why not enjoy your first stage of existence? I love how everyone's always just so eager to give it up. I don't know, man. Here I am, and just enjoying my physical presence. If you, yeah. if you, if this were an actual option, I would respectfully decline, because mm -hmm. I, I don't need that shit. 
the blissful I'd be bored as fuck I would decline to oh god man blissful non-existence is my reward for how many years of life because the idea of this right. going on forever no the only way I'd be down with it is if I was still able to do hobby things. <laughs> exactly. I know there's always that argument of, well, once you ascend, though, you also ascend past the, you know, you don't want those things anymore. And I'm like, yeah. But, okay, but just like, nah, but, I'll pass. But that's the thing is, these still have appeal to me, and that other shit you're talking about has none. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the monk gets shot, and right after he falls, Daniel runs out just in his socks. He hasn't put his shoes back on. I love that. <laughs> And uh, there's actually a little oopsie in this episode. Um, I'll I'll cut to it because otherwise I will forget it. He runs out in his socks at the end of the episode. He's not wearing socks. He's barefoot. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. Something got torn. Yeah. It's fine. Something ripped. <laughs> and he, he, you know, he now he's standing in front of the entrance and he says, lower your weapons. And Jack's like, yeah, lower your weapons. And the chain is like, no, no you. You guys, lower your weapons. And Jack's like, sorry? What? <laughs> Last time we spoke, you had superpowers. But I love, this is another great line for Jack Daniel stuff, is as he's trying to talk, you know, SG-1 into laying down their weapons, he just tells Jack, he's like, if you were ever going to trust me, now is the time. That is wonderful, and I do not want to undercut it, but aside from that, when he says, seriously, you're going to want to put stuff down, uh, she, the, oh, the Dasala is not somebody you want to mess with, the alien isn't somebody you want to mess with if you catch my drift, the camera immediately pans over to uh, Teal'c, and he, you can literally see him in real time figuring out the phrase, the idiom. The idiom. <laughs> and I, all I note was is, oh my god, three years of listening to humans has all been leading up to this moment. Aww. <laughs> so that Teal'c can go... I am Lucy. Oh, love it. I do understand. Love Teal'c's moment of So I, I just had to point that out. I just love it because it's one of the few moments where he's like, you can definitely just see him going, wait, wait, wait. But he's still putting the gun down. He's like, oh, wait, I'm connecting the dots. <gasps> I understood that Aww. reference. It was that kind of thing. And I just, I, 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 needed, to, I needed to mention it. So see, I was so in invested in that if we were ever going to trust me now is the timeline that I didn't oh, even yeah, notice that's that. That's also a great it's part. Great. But yeah, so they all begrudgingly put down their weapons and then daniel the mega huge fucking drama queen that he is raises a single hand in the the initial portion of a goodbye wave but does not move his hand at all just holds it in front of him and goes bye, bye. <laughs> and oma destroys them all see i should have hated that because it's not good. I, but it's so I loved Daniel. it. I loved it. I loved it so much. Oh my god. Who among us? Like, we all know that if we had the option, we would love to walk oh. away from an explosion without looking back. Because that's one of the, you know, the mo most badass things you can do. We all have that inner, this would be an epic moment person. And Daniel got to live a moment right there. He Petty had a literal queen. destructive force on his side. And he went... Ooh, I can do something with this. And I am here oh. for it. He is my spirit animal in this moment. I I love it so much. My voice is going out. <laughs> well, good news. We're almost done. So yeah, Drama Queen, fucking love it. The Jaffa all get, they get chain lightninged. If I don't mention D&D &D every other episode, it's not our show. So <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculously overdone that when Jack says, cool i lost it i went no dan no jack it, it, it's not cool it's it's ridiculous it's hilariously <laughs> ridiculous that was that was hilariously ridiculous yeah that was epic levels of really 
I, I get it. Clearly, they had a CGI budget for this one, and they wanted to go all out. Cool. Right. Do what you got. Whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Live your life. Live your best life. Spend $8,000 on a purple elephant that dances across the screen for eight seconds. Uh. Whatever. 30000 for that. Whatever the hell it was. Do it. But I'm going to comment on it <laughs> because that Fair. was so unnecessary. I loved it-ish until it, it, was it, very it went on necessary. about four seconds, five seconds-ish too long. <laughs> but yeah, they had priorities. Yeah, so uh, the monk ascends. Oma comes out Just with Jedi's the kid. himself. Yeah, he Jedi's himself. Oma comes out with the kid to let Daniel know she'll be leaving with him. Again, without saying anything. <laughs> and then she leaves him with a silent promise. Because Daniel says, will I just say I'll be, I'll be able to see both of you guys again? And again, never says anything. But the look she gives Daniel, it's a promise. That Daniel will get to see both of them again. There's two things in rapid succession here that crack me the fuck up. Uh-huh. One, as she departs with the kid. I love Sam's. What was that? The kid that we just did all this for? <laughs> did she just take the thing that we did all this for? Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh... I love that. That was yeah underrated. I believe as a performance. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then my next thing is, I know we'll. I'm pretty sure we'll see this again. So it's not like it's whatever. And it does look like she has to like fly through the air for some fucking reason i'll never understand the, the physics of ascension because either you're energy or you're not and you're either incorporeal or you're not and you're either completely mm -hmm. out of sight or you're not and this whole like you're everywhere but nowhere thing is really annoying because sometimes they can be well, everywhere or sometimes they have to a travel physical yeah, child so that's, right now that, so. yeah but she's also just I, I did i rewatched the scene a couple of dozen times to make sure on this she is just wispy at that point. So she did something to dematerialize the kid or compact him into a subspace pocket, whatever. <laughs> she did something for a, a, a transportation element there. Yeah. So this is all just a lead up to me going, made entirely of energy, still needs to use a Stargate. Yep. I, I, I'm, I'm not mad at it, but I am confused by it. I would say it's strictly because she's carrying a living being yeah, with her. That's not a that's not a bad argument. It really isn't. I will see this other times though, and I'm always confused as well, to why. I can't think of a specific one right now, so I guess we'll address yeah. it when it happens. It, yeah. I did check for the wispiness though. So the kid was clearly dematerialized to my eyes. To my eyes, it was clear the clear that he was dematerialized. There's my little, you know, asterisk. Yeah. So I would have given the assumption that if he is energy-ish himself at this point mm -hmm. that you could then pass through the physical barriers like subspace or whatever like i just mm, mm, questions. here's the thing i think that if you're not traveling with the gate you have to kind of go to like the same sort of level as like the ascended diner okay. to travel right i would yeah like, and yeah, if like you're the going up plane. there you gotta be ascended <laughs> So if she's going to travel with the child the that okay. way, the child you know has what? to be ascended. That is a fair point. Because I did say that she did something to the kid, but I never I never was thinking that she had ascended the kid. That wasn't even yeah. entering into my Not yet. Into the question. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Shifu, I think is the kid's name. Yeah, he doesn't get ascended yeah. until later. I love that kid. That kid's a great actor. This show mostly gets really good kid actors. Yes. There's been like one or two where, that were a little questionable, but for the most part, this show gets very good kid actors. Yeah. Which can be hard. It can be. <laughs> yes. It can be very difficult. Just look at the Avatar I was, movie. I was going to say it. Took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth. The only good actors in the Avatar The Last Airbender movie are the actual non-white people in it. 
All the white people are terrible in that movie. Everyone who's not white is great. All of the Fire Nation are great actors. A lot of them are, like, legendary Indian actors. Like, the guy who plays Iroh is, like, a well-known, like, Bollywood actor or something. Dev Patel is an amazing fucking actor. I've been a fan of him forever. All of the, like, background... Because I loved how they would populate the background, the extras, with the right nationality. But then the actual main actors were all white. Except they, for some reason, made the Japanese characters Indian. I just... They were very clearly Japanese. The only person I give any credit to is Noah Ringer because of two reasons. One, he, he was not in. He, he had he, no he had acting, no acting experience. Training. He was literally just a martial arts he got expert. Three months of yeah. acting yeah, training. Exactly. That was it. He was a martial arts expert. I don't they blame wanted somebody him. who could do the moves, and then they thought yeah. they. It's like trying to train uh, drillers to how to be astronauts. They went about it the yeah. wrong direction. Mm-hmm. But and then yeah, no, I do not blame him. Yes. He is a terrible yes. actor, but well, I do not was. blame him because he. That's the second thing I was gonna say. He clearly oh, went he, to acting. And he was in Cowboys and Aliens. He was the grandson in Cowboys and Aliens. <gasps> yes, he was good. I love Cowboys so he and Aliens. And he was not improved. bad in that. Yeah, he was just Aww, a young kid ha- with no experience, and with a little story. experience, all of a sudden ratcheted right up. I'm glad he got another opportunity because that was not his fault. So, talking about Aliens at the gate, the Marines had just managed to get in, tac- in contact with SGC, and like, oh yeah, about the you know. Starts to talk to Jack about, like, backup. And Jack's like, yeah, cancel that. <laughs> and he's like, actually, uh, and and while they're on the radio with him, he's like, sir, I see a light approaching the gate. And Jack's like, yeah, don't fire on it. In fact, put your weapons down. <laughs> put your weapons down until that thing leaves. Yeah, and it's, they're like, it's okay. carrying a baby somewhere. Yeah, and they're like, okay. And they all put their weapons down, and Oma unlocks the gate and flies through. And then go, it goes away. And then we cut back. Our final scene is at the temple where there's an, a nice quick little moment of Jack checking in to make sure that Daniel's okay. Because he knows how important this kid was to him. And Daniel decided to watch the kid go. So I just like that there's just... I like that so much has happened in this episode. But well, it was a pretty Robert C. Cooper still made sure to take 10 seconds to have Jack check in emotionally with Daniel. And I appreciate that. I mean, a husband has to be there for their other yeah, husband for the exactly. other husband and then the last bit is that they all start to walk off back towards the gate and we get jack be like daniel your shoes <laughs> daniel's like oh right and has to run back into the temple and get his shoes low-key not gonna lie it's probably a good thing that he just gave up his parental custody rights because he can't even keep himself in I know. line how is he going to raise a child in any capacity if he can't even He would have shoes? loved that child, but he would have had to depend on Jack and Sam to be the actual parents for it. <laughs> Sam's already a co-parent. Daniel I know. maybe could get Jack on board, probably could get Jack on board, but you know, most people like to, get be, Jack to help. Most people like to be part of the conversation before they become a parent. I don't think there's a lot of people who like to learn after the fact, oh good, I'm just going to be a parent now. Awesome. Yep. I mean, I'm sure there's some. Yeah, I, I thought that was fun. But that is actually the scene where I noticed he wasn't wearing socks anymore. And he was completely barefoot. And I'm like, I know he ran out in socks. <laughs> Something tore. Yep. <laughs> Which, fair enough, dude. If you're going to run outside barefoot, it's better to do it without socks. Because as long as you know it's not, like, sharp as fuck ground, if it's, like, ground you know you can walk on safely, it's honestly better to walk with your bare feet than socks. Because those socks are going to get filthy. 
Oh, fun fact, thanks to this episode, I finally have found a website that appears to actually list, per episode, the filming locations. Oh! Yeah! <gasps> Someday we're nice gonna go to on a journey! For first uh, yeah, for all the earlier shit, that would've been nice to know, because there have been tons of times where I'm like, I wonder where this was filmed! It was weirdly easy to find today, which I am insulted by, considering how it was impossible to find the millions mm-hmm. of other times I was looking. Anyway, the only reason why I bring it up is because there was that one part where they're walking along, and it's, uh, I think it was when they came through the gate, and they're on that rocky yeah. river, and it looked so similar to the Olympic uh, National Rainforest that I had literally just, I just went backpacking through it like two weeks ago. So I was like, no, 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 it's just, you know, Vancouver. It? No, it's Vancouver, but it's, oh. you know, it's uh, a very popular film. It would have been too crazy. I mean, it's still it's Pacific Northwest. Direction. Yeah, it's still Pacific yeah. Northwest. It's still the same kind of general, you know, fields, a river, you know, like what do you get? You know, rivers look like rivers. So it wasn't yeah. insane to me that they looked similar, but I was like, okay, where the fuck was this filmed? And it was like, maternal instinct, filming locations. And then the website had literally links for all the other episodes. Like, where were you earlier? Dude. We're going to make an epic field trip list oh, at some point. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this particular riverbed has been used in like Maybe every show like filmed in Canada. Maybe for like our 100th episode or something, or our 200th episode. Speaking of the 100, like that. that's another place that uh, used that riverbed. <laughs> that's another show. Nice. I mean. So that is it for this episode. Yay, that recording time. Cool. Yeah. It's cool. I only have a shit ton of stuff to do this weekend. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's not like I didn't I sign up for this. I to be short. It, I did too. If wishes were horses we'd still be recording for three and a half hours. This is not the episode to be short on, to be honest. No, it had a lot of stuff in it. But yeah. But uh, let's let's do a quick wrap up. We can do this. What? Death tally. Nobody died. Well, the monk died. Lots, lots of people died. And lots the Jaffa of people died. woman died. Yeah. Lots of people died. No but one we none, care about died. None of our team died. But there's a fuck ton of um, omens for, for someone dying down the line. God, yes. Not just Daniel. Omens of Braytac possibly dying down the line, too. I mean, we all, we all know that they'll, they'll set up lots of little things on the off chance that yeah. that's one that they'll follow through on. That's yeah, how you establish absolutely. stuff for later seasons, because so mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you have shit like seasons 9 and 10, where you're literally just every episode pulling something new out of your ass. Or, uh, as I always example, when we talk about the Ori, the, the Charmed show after they killed the Source. Just, oh, cool. Why are we here again? Exactly! <laughs> like what aren't we done dude the, the, the pond has fish now go fish right so nobody died are you a jack or a daniel for this episode i don't think this is an actual question but i still have to actually ask it daniel did tug a little he made a couple of valiant <laughs> attempts but i am jack I am Jack. I am hugely Daniel in this episode, not just because I'm far more accepting of the wooey than you are. <laughs> I am Jack's inability to accept the wooey. Yeah, there were just so many of his moments where I was like, yeah, mood, Daniel, mood. Just like him running out in socks. That was, I, I literally wrote mood. <laughs> just like, there were so many things he said or did where I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I agree, buddy. I big, big, big agree. <laughs> like, Jack was fun. I didn't. But, like, just his impatience with it. I was like, there's clearly something important going on here, Jack. <laughs> so I would have been the person like, no, no, we're going to have this conversation. And I also think the fact that, like, I spent most of this episode when we were talking about the Zen Coens coming up with interpretations for what they meant in that moment. Obviously, I'm not Jack. I'm a Daniel. <laughs> I do not doubt Jack's ability to figure it out. It would just, just involve him, him having to give a single shit. Like, if he had yeah, exactly. a single fuck to give, maybe he could interpret it. Yeah. But Jack doesn't no. give any Mm-mm. fucks. His field is no, not no. just barren. It is burned and salted. 
There yes. are no more fucks to ever be grown in his field. And I am Jack Listen, in this episode. That's what he has Daniel here for. He doesn't have to do that. <laughs> I have long since established that wooey is not for me. And much like how a lot of wooey people like to tell me that they'll, uh, I don't know, rub a crystal for me or something. I, <laughs> I try mostly <laughs> as hard as I can, the last couple seconds notwithstanding, to be respectful and just respectfully walk away. <laughs> Yeah. So I am no, Jack. Liz, you are the Jack, and me and Kaylee are the Daniel in this. Yeah, tarot cards are about as far as I will allow things in my presence, because they're kind of cool, and I could kind of see where people get what they're saying. That's the majority mm -hmm. of my problems with wooey shit, is there's no basis. Sorry, your fucking yeah, amethyst no. isn't going to fix my energies, okay? <laughs> the amethyst looks pretty. It'll fix an energy, but not the one you're going for, and I need you to walk away. Or or, mm -hmm. or, or I will. And uh, sometimes, sometimes they need to walk away. And sometimes I do, depending on the situation. In this situation, I went into their house, so I'll walk away. There you go. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, there was no question that you were gonna be Jack. I don't think there was much of a question that I was gonna be Daniel either. That that is where our five percent of drift compatibility differs is right there, and it it was it's what this episode is all about. So obviously we were going to differ in this one. Um, Joaquin Phoenix for this episode. Thumbs up. It rattles like it's a telekinesisly held. Gun. Gun. But it is a thumbs up nonetheless. It is a firm thumbs up from me. I don't have any of the personal issues with the subject matter that you do. And the the more like narrative thing, structure things that you also have some small problems with, which we already talked about at the beginning of this episode. I also don't really mind. I, like I said, when I actually started watching this episode again, I was like, oh shit, I love this episode. I remember I love this episode. So... Huge thumbs up, no hesitations from me. I this is one of this is one of the ones that I would recommend to people. Not you, obviously, but to <laughs> I mean to you people. could recommend this to me. You could recommend an eighty five episode to me. With a caveat. <laughs> like there's gonna be wooey shit, just get ready. There's, there's <laughs> always a caveat and wooey only infuriates me because it's the most recent thing that annoys me <laughs> everything yeah. is the most infuriating thing that annoys me whatever it is it's always the worst at the moment i yeah i just i love it i i i'm a big thumbs up on this episode not surprised robert c cooper always delivers for me <laughs> he's amazing can't wait for sga to test that but Ooh, I, I wonder if we're that, gonna get some met or bads for him I dislike as it the stands show. right now he has no met or bad episodes. Right. I mean, I, I I could see him standing firm. I, I, I could also see myself starting to reevaluate my uh, perception of SGA again. Reevaluate re my reevaluation because it's been recently that I've been starting to go like, ugh, in my memory. But mm -hmm. honestly, there's just, there's a lot of fucking cringe episodes. Like, there's a real rapey one. Like, with a Ooh. guy who bakes a, an herb into his bread to oh, make all no. the women and people around him attracted to him and he literally has multiple wives like it's and it's he's played by the guy from the movie the guy that daniel fixes the translation of what yep ew but yeah seriously it's 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 horrifying and there's a couple uh. of episodes like that and that's not it's that there's a there's a few things like that and it shows only five seasons so the fact that they managed to get that much crap that's unfortunate contained we'll get there in five seasons we'll makes eventually. me very unhappy but there we'll are see what things. happens. So yeah. So 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 hopefully Robert C. Cooper will stand stand firm for SGA and yeah. it'll turn out to be all we'll for see. not. All the dread will be all for not. Yeah. So uh 
that's it for this episode. Next week, we are doing, as we already mentioned earlier, Season 3, Episode 21, Crystal Skull. And I hope this one holds up the way I remember. I really hope I it remember does, because loving this I episode. love this episode. Yes, exactly. Oh, there's that scene towards the end where he's like, oh my god, can you imagine trying to heat this place? And it's just like... Yeah. <laughs> I do want to say, um, as boding well for us, so far, episodes that we remember really fondly have never turned out bad for us. That's good. There might have been some things that we've had to be like, you know, this could be treated better. They didn't have the language for this, blah, 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 back then, whatever. But I don't think any of the ones that we super remember fondly have burned us in retrospect. So here's hoping that that trend continues. Right. So the uh, synopsis for this episode. Daniel finds a glowing crystal skull identical to one first discovered by his grandfather decades before. When Daniel stares into the skull's eyes, a mysterious force makes him disappear. Now SG-1 must find Daniel's grandfather to unlock the mystery of the skull and bring Daniel back. You know, it really says something about how much this episode... Again, I really hope it stands up because it says a lot about how good the episode is that I don't even care at the bullshit. How ridiculous that sounds. How the fuck? What were the fucking chances that this grandfather we've never even heard about before happened to find the sick no space is big space is big space is big (laughs) we'll cover it next week but i don't even care because i love this episode so yeah so uh that is it for this week finally (laughs) if you want to get a hold of us you can find me on twitter at it's mel not list or our podcast twitter at point of origin pc you can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and to- toss it through the nearest wormhole. All those S's. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. <laughs>